let us say I start making a certain uh, uh, theory. And this theory, I keep perfecting, perfecting, perfecting it until this theory reaches a certain level of excellence. When it reaches a certain level of excellence, the universal mind will comply. And then it's like a child who has perfected a little language. Now the universe will come in, talk to you in the language of your theory. And the benevolent mind will actually make subtle energy behave according to your theory. So it will help you make your theory actually work. Welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today's guest is Dr. Ibrahim Karim, who is joined by his daughter, Dorea Karim. Dr. Karim is the founder of the Science of Biogeometry, the new architecture and industrial design school that uses the subtle energy effect of geometrical shapes to induce harmony in our modern technological environments. He supervises postgraduate studies on the applications of the science of biogeometry in different fields at several universities. Dr. Karim was recognized for environmental work and chosen as Man of the Year by the Swiss magazine Anzeiger in 2005 for his success in reducing the effect of electrosmog in several regions in Switzerland. Stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a special offer from Biogeometry. We are dealing with a very dangerous convergence of negative energies and environmental influences today. Our modern electrical systems, 5G phone systems, and worldwide web, home and building designs, devitalization of water, and the use of dangerous chemicals in farming and industry, and devitalized foods are some of the contributing factors to both the destruction of the planet and the devitalization of nature and human beings. If you've ever heard Zach Bush, MD, and other holistic physicians explain the connection between environmental destruction, toxicity, and the COVID pandemic, then you are aware that the convergence of these negative energies and dangerous practices, primarily motivated by profiteering, are contributing factors we all need to consider carefully before it's too late. But what if there is a powerful, immediately effective solution with a very broad scope of application from personal health and well-being to harmonizing beneficial energies to changing devitalized homes and buildings and turning them into generators of life force energy? Well, Today is the day you find out about that very technology. Biogeometry is here. Today you get an amazing opportunity to join Doria and Dr. Ibrahim Karim as we dive deep into an explanation of the challenges we currently face with a variety of damaging energies that are devitalizing the whole planet and all living beings on it, including you, myself, and our loved ones. Doria and Dr. Kareem and I dive deep into what some of the key challenges we face are, the nature of harmful energies, and how Dr. Kareem learned to shape space and the energies that flow through it in such a way that they create the same exact kinds of healing and balancing effects created by the great healing sites worldwide. Dr. Kareem and his daughter Doria can best be described as mystic scientists that have spent their entire lives studying both harmful and beneficial energies. Dr. Kareem, a highly skilled architect, takes us on a deep, 
powerful awakening journey into Egyptian healing and environmental sciences and how he has coupled ancient but very advanced technologies and techniques with modern science to create tremendously powerful, simple, and easy-to-use technologies that are available to you right now. They described how they learned the language of energy and used that knowledge to produce profound, scientifically testable and validated changes that turn sick buildings into life force generators, that turn dangerous cell towers into beneficial energy generators, how their technology has been proven to help autistic people in beautiful ways, and how biogeometry can be used to balance, harmonize, and vitalize all the systems within and around your own body. Approaching 100 interviews now, I can assure you this is one of my deepest, most profound interviews yet. This deep, important dialogue with Doria and Ibrahim Karim is loaded with information that will inspire you with the awareness that we can revitalize the Earth, influence all electrical systems so they become beneficial life force energy generators, vitalize our homes and buildings, our schools, and strengthen and balance our bodies and immune systems easily and effectively with the use of biogeometry. Not only are Doria and Dr. Kareem very solid in their science with lots of research and case histories to back their claims, including my own, they are deeply loving spiritual people and a great inspiration to us all. Grab one of your Paleo Valley or Organifi snacks and a bottle of water and a notepad and get ready for a profound, deep explanation of how Dr. Kareem married ancient Egyptian healing science with the science of architecture, quantum physics, physics, geometry, space, and life force energy to create many biogeometry technologies available to you right now. You will walk away from this amazing podcast with a sense of hope for the planet, our future, and the comfort of knowing that some of the greatest minds on our planet are working day and night to restore the planet and offer viable health solutions for us all. And better yet, biogeometry solutions are available for you right now. And I know for a fact they work because I've tested them many times or I wouldn't waste your time talking about them. Enjoy this incredible profound, deep, amazing interview. Hello and welcome to Living 4D with Paul Check. Today I'm super, super excited because we are going to dive into biogeometry, which is an amazing approach to balancing, healing, centering, and and increasing your vitality and utilizing environmental energies in positive ways and creating positive energies out of potentially negative energies. So today we have Dr. Ibrahim or Abraham Kareem and his daughter, Doria, who is also a expert in biogeometry. You guys, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you for Paul. having us. Thank you. We have to be with you. Well, you know, I wanted to start by letting everybody know why I wanted to have you guys on the show. And that is that um, years ago, actually, I don't even remember when I was uh, doing a lot of research into things like sonic geometry, sacred geometry. And somehow I came across your book, Dr. Kareem. Uh, it's a green book, a uh, paperback of uh, like an eight and a half by 11 size. And, and it uh, goes through your concepts. And, you know, I'm a dowser and a medical dowser, so I'm fairly familiar with a lot of these concepts. But I bought your book at that time and, and then tracked down your website. And then I uh, was my client, Jason Picard, who's doing, and his wife, Kara, are doing uh, training with you guys. Uh, they they were interested in in these types of things. So I turned them on to your stuff. And Jason has purchased uh, probably everything that you sell. And when he comes to visit me, he's bringing me things and he's often sending me gifts in the mail. 
And so I've had the ability to experience a number of your biogeometry products. And uh, I wanted to share an experience. Uh, we were doing a, a Native American style healing ceremony outside behind my office here. I have a beautiful waterfall. It's about 20 feet tall and and it's really lovely out there. It's right in a, we're, we're, we're carved into the side of a mountain. So the energies are really beautiful, but the pump on the waterfall is an electric pump. So I can feel the energy off of it when I'm out there. But unfortunately, I can't have that waterfall without that pump. So I'd walked out and Jason had been out setting some things up. And the instant I walked out the door, I looked at Jason. I said, what did you do back here? And he smiled at me and pointed to the ground. And it was your cube your biogeometry cube. And I immediately sensed tremendous stability that I had not experienced out there, having done a lot of time out there and meditations out there and things like that. And I was absolutely blown away how much of a shift and how an environment that I thought was quite stable, like really quite stable, became noticeably more stable. It was almost as though I was um, in the eye of a storm where there's movement around, but complete stillness inside. And I was really, really impressed. And I've been very, very impressed with pretty much every one of your your devices and tools I've tried. He gave me a charging plate as a gift. And it's phenomenal how powerful such a simple piece of technology is. I mean, I know that the the, the simplicity is an, is an illusion because the uh, amount of wisdom that goes into the creation of something like that is is very vast. But I'm starting off with this story to let the listeners know that I have experienced biogeometry and I've worked with Jason and Kara for 10 years and he's had a lot of problems with electromagnetic pollution and various challenges with different houses that he's owned. And since he had one of your consultants come out and uh, work with his house and his property, uh, Kara's been sleeping much better, and he's said he's really noticed a tremendous shift in the whole energy, and he's and care of doing the training, and they absolutely love the training. So I really wanted to share biogeometry with as many people as I could, because I think for a myriad of reasons, it's a really important technology that people become aware of and utilize uh, on, on a global scale. Well, th thank you for the nice introduction, Paul. Uh, oh, you're very welcome. I tell, you know, I, my, my father used to say, I calls them as I sees them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In other words, if I don't like something, I'll tell you. But if I do, I'll tell you that too. Well, that, that was a very nice introduction. Thank you very much. Yes. I'd love it if you could please give us an overview of your developmental history and what you led, what led you into biogeometry, I, you know, having... Uh, watched uh, the Gaia interview, I have a, a sense of that. But I always like to start with sort of, you know, answering the question, how did this person come to be the person that they are? And, you know, you, you are, uh, you're accessing a lot of wisdom from a lot of different areas. And in, in our sort of academic environment, what you're doing is really sort of outside the academic paradigm. So I think for fun, if you could share kind of just an overview of what led you ultimately to producing biogeometry, and Doria, maybe you can just give a, a summary too. I mean, 
uh, I know you're, you're, you're with your dad, so it's kind of hard not to become a master of that, but uh, maybe just a little share from you when your dad finishes. Well, the Ray is always uh, my partner in research. We're sitting well, I can tell. Day, yeah, doing the research together, developing things together. So uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, it's a good uh, duality that, that works together. <laughs> it's a duality in harmony. Yeah. But our duality produces a unity. <laughs> uh, so does God's if we let it. Yeah. It's not It's not exactly equal. You know, if we're researching and he goes, okay, make me a cup of tea. I have to go make it. If I go, okay, you go make me a cup of tea. He doesn't get up and make it. Oh, so uh, well. I can't say it's well, an equal, uh, equal opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a king is always a king and a queen oh. is always a queen. Yes. Like, well, I'm a... Uh, <laughs> daughter of the queen i'll say that <laughs> yeah, that's that's okay you know what it won't be too long and you'll be the king and the queen at the same time and yeah. you'll rem you'll remember remember how how beautiful it was to to get tea for the man that blessed you with so much wisdom and inspiration yes well i'll let i'll let him get into the well, story of by okay maybe i'll go uh to the beginning or yeah the beginning somewhere uh, after I finished uh, my school in Egypt here, I was in uh, English school, Oxford and Cambridge uh, program. And then uh, I went to Switzerland, to Zurich, to study architecture. Now, in architecture, we study, when we study the history of architecture, we go through uh, sacred monuments, sacred buildings in de different eras, and we analyze the styles and all that. And it has to do mostly with culture, building style, building materials, and all this stuff. And that's how we go through history from prehistoric till modern. But then I noticed something while I was studying there that, and that was confirmed in later years, uh, whenever you had a historical monument somewhere and you dig beside it, if you go down maybe 20, 30 feet, you'll find traces of an older monument. Uh -huh. so it seems that in the same spot, you have different civilizations building one over each other. And you know the story of uh, Troy. You know, Troy was regarded as one of the Homeric legends, uh, Helen of Troy and all that. Right. Uh, they didn't know that it could be a real ancient civilization. They thought it was mythology. But then, while Heinrich Schliemann, uh, an archaeologist, he was digging in the early 1900s, he was digging somewhere in Turkey, and uh, he went below the, the temples he, he was uncovering, and he went about 30 feet down there and found remnants of an older civilization. So he thought... I'd go another 30 feet and see what happens. Every 20, 30 feet, I might find something. He did it two or three times. And every time he went deeper, there was another civilization. Now, on the deepest level, he found a lot of gold from Troy. Wow. It was, he found so many gold artifacts and all that, that, and then he actually discovered ancient Troy. And all right. of a sudden, 
the whole story of ancient Troy or Achilles and, and all those uh, things became a reality. Right. But what we learned from this, that somehow every civilization comes and builds on the same spot. So it seems that the center of the community is always in that location. We even have in Egypt, in Luxor, we have an ancient Egyptian temple, the Temple of Luxor. And then inside the temple, uh, a church was built thousands of years later. The Christians came and built a church inside the temple. And then the Muslims came and they built a mosque beside the church inside the temple. So, you know, you'd ask yourself, I mean, those religions uh, normally fight. <laughs> at all somehow they have one common thing together and that's the location yes so i started asking myself now is there something special about the place not the buildings right maybe there's something special maybe there's a special energy emanation or something like that so i started i went back to prehistorical times i started studying the oldest methods that humanity uh, marked with those sacred spots. I found that in ancient times, the prehistoric man, for example, they followed the animals. They saw that the animals always went to certain spots that had fresh water that was always... Right. Our artesian wells, they, the, the animals will walk for miles for artesian water. Yeah, but it's very special kind of water. You know, there are many types of artesian wells, but those places had a very specific quality of water that had a healing effect. And right. uh, it was always fresh. Uh, and then the plants around it had a very special, uh, the leaves were thicker, the colors. Vitality. And, and all that. And then they noticed that those spots were used by the animals for healing. Uh, some of the spots were used where the animals went to die there. And right. uh, uh, they also noticed one thing that uh, birds, for example, pigeons, they usually uh, fly in formations like a V formation. And when they find such a spot, they start circling in the air around it for a few times and then continue with their V formation. So, wow. So humans started interacting with the spot the same way the animals did. And as the humans interacted with those spots, they noticed uh, uh, the, the strange properties of those areas. Are you hungry for some amazing, nutritious, real food? Want something healthy and sweet for you and the kids? Do you need something that travels well, satiates you, nourishes you, and is easy to make? How about excellent organic protein powder to help you put on muscle and recover faster from exercise? Organifi offers all this and more. Make your life and your whole family's life easier and your health and vitality better with Organifi's excellent certified organic foods and drinks. Head over to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com, and look at all their amazing products and take advantage of your 20% Living 4D discount by using the code capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 20, that's capitals, all caps, check 20, 
during your checkout. My family and friends all love Organifi and know you will too. Enjoy. Now, before I go deeper, I want to go into the mind of the first humans. You know, the mind of the first humans, they were more focused, their perception, focus of perception was more right-brained. So they were more... uh, Integrated with nature. Yeah, integrated with nature. And they had the collective consciousness of the herd. Yes. And all that. So they somehow felt uh, the certain ways of interaction with those sacred parts box were natural. They were intuitive. So, mm-hmm. and by being one with nature gives them also a sort of a clairvoyance. Yes. Uh, that they could see actually, uh, you know, when sometimes when I explain uh, ancient civilizations like the ancient Egyptians and all that, I always say that we must first understand that it was a different species of humanity that had actually uh, a sort of the focus was in the left brain. And as they advanced and got more left brain abilities, in the beginning, they used them to exploit the right brain energetic powers of nature and help interact with them. So imagine that the ancient Egyptians, for example, they actually saw the powers of nature which their budding left brain perception personified. And they interacted with them as if these were people who were living with them. We can't understand that today, but we should move into their mindset to understand that they were one with all the powers of nature. So yes, that's 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 shamanism. I mean, any any real shaman is practicing and living in that way, and that that mind. What you're talking about is in consciousness research is a direct correlation with the magical level of consciousness, where there was a fusion between man and nature. Yes, and it's important to understand that uh, when we go deep into biogeometry and the physics of quality of biogeometry, it's a science that belongs in that dimension. Right. Not in the physical, quantitative, scientific paradigm. It yes. It is in the other dimension. and The only, mental mental paradigm. <laughs> yes. Only when you are in that uh, perceptive mode do you understand those ancient sciences. So now the people with their... Uh, uh, senses that were, let's say, right brain senses, they saw that certain stones actually amplified the energy of the spot, the sacred energy of the spot. They saw that those stones were mostly uh, little granite pebbles and things like that would amplify it more than softer clay stones. I mean, the denser the stone was, the more you, you had a uh, an amplification of the radiation of that energy. So, right. So crystals and diamonds would be good examples of amplifiers, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would be very good amplifiers. So the people then, they were, I would say that's the, they were the first architects because a knowledge of material. 
Now they got the knowledge of material, but not the knowledge of material. The way we seek the knowledge, no, the knowledge of, of how materials interacted with subtle energy. Now, they found that so important that, uh, that they had to amplify this energy that they sometimes went maybe two, three hundred miles away to find uh, huge boulders of that same granite composition. They were not yes. only found in the same spot. Now imagine a caveman who lived maybe maximum of 30 years. He would spend 10 years of his life uh, going to a certain place, quarrying a huge stone of the mountain, putting it on trees, you know, cutting down trees, putting it on rollers, uh, sliding it to the nearest river, and tie those trees together to build a raft, go down the river and the nearest place to his spot, uh, make the rollers again, and then the stone again, and then go back there. And once they brought that huge megalithic boulder, which was sometimes 40 tons, they brought it to that area, and then they erected it on the spot. And that's what we call today ancient menhirs. So mm -hmm. these menhirs show that if they went to so much trouble bringing the stone and putting it there, that they needed the properties of that stone to amplify and sort of uh, spread the energy on, on a wider area uh, where the community lived. They needed to have this energy as part of every aspect of their community. Now, the next step. Was, Can I ask a quick question? Uh, are you familiar with the work of Philip Callahan? Uh, no, I, I haven't. Maybe, but uh, the, at the moment, he doesn't come to mind. Okay, well, he wrote a book called Paramagnetism. He was the uh, scientist yeah. that yeah, first, he was the book. first one. Yeah, and then he's got another, he's got several, but his book, Tuning Into Nature. Yeah. Um, he showed when he and analyzed healing sites all over the world, for example, the round towers that the monks built in Ireland, he did ge geological surveys and showed they yeah. walked no less than 50 miles to collect highly paramagnetic stones. Yes. And that, that all the farmers in the day of the round towers were competing for who could get their cows to eat the grass in that area yeah. because the grass was so much more nutritious that the cows were much more disease resistant. Their milk and, and yes. butter and products were much better. Yes, but, I, have, uh, I have this book, Paramagnetism, yes. And yeah. Uh, and, there's and also, we, I have another friend called, uh, from England called uh, Paul Devreux. And Paul Devreux wrote several books, uh, some of them about America, some of them about Europe, some about, about the sound of ancient stones. Uh, and, and and actually speaking of cows, because this is interesting that you mentioned cows, it was actually one of the projects and, and the actual health of the product itself. So we, we do a lot of projects with animals and, and animal health and animal farming. Um, but the, the one of the really surprising things is in, in the, one of the dairy farms we work on, um, the, uh, the farmer is actually lactose intolerant, but he can drink milk from the cows in the farm that we've worked on. That's amazing. That's so beautiful. Yes. And 
Yeah, that's that's really I can tell fantastic. you a little, uh, I'll tell you a little psychic story related to the cows. Uh, okay, good. I love that. Yeah, I was working in Hirschberg in Switzerland on an electrosmog project, and uh, I went uh, to the barns where the cows were, and I installed the biogeometry shapes because the cows had problems of fertility and uh, stillbirth and things like that. They were sick, so I installed some of my things, and I had to leave for two days to go. And this was Hirschberg in Appenzell. I had to go to a place about 300 uh, kilometers away that was in Basel to give a, a lecture at a sort of a, uh, it's called Psi-Tagen, that means psychic days. And they were friends of mine uh, who asked me to give a lecture there. So I went there, I gave my lecture. And when I finished my lecture, I was sitting outside uh, having a cup of tea, and this man comes, and he is asking around, where is Ibrahim Karim? Where is Ibrahim Karim? And I said, hello, I'm here. He came to me and said, I have a message for you. And I said, what's the message? He said, uh, I came to say thank you. Uh, and this message is from the Hatorians. You know, Hathor is the ancient Egyptian cow. Yes. So oh, he cool. Said, he said the Hatorians on the higher plane uh, came to me, and I'm a psychic, but I don't understand anything uh, about what you're doing. But they came to me, and they told me, go to this place, to Basel. You will find an Egyptian called Ibrahim Karim. Go there and tell him thank you. So that's amazing. Yeah. So he. So I told him, okay, please uh, sit down. Let's eat something together. And all that. He said, no, I, I can't. I drove two hundred miles to come and tell you thank you. So now I have to drive back. So I just wanted to say this word to bring the message, and now I'm off. Wow. So it was very strange. Next day. I go back to Hirschberg, and all the cows in the area were healed. Thank you. So I understood. This was very strange because actually, when he told me thank you, I had just installed my things but didn't have time to check uh, on the effect. So you see, this is again a very strange thing that uh, that happens during our work there. But let's go back to the sacred power spots. And in the sacred power spots, uh, we come to the conclusion that those places on Earth have very, very powerful energy properties that later on uh, the ancients used them, for example, for uh, uh, oracles, communication, because when those people came in the power spot, through the crossing of the underground streams, a vortex was formed like a, a wormhole, and through that vortex, there was a form of multidimensional communication where they received lots of oracles. So those places became, besides healing, they became places of oracles, places of knowledge 
uh, right. that they were taught things in there. So uh, my intrigue with this energy quality, I looked further and I found as an architect now that all the cities in history, all the ancient cities in history were planned based on power spots. They would locate, they would use dowsing techniques, they would locate several power spots, then join them with pathways like avenues that today we call them lays, and then they would place their city, the important buildings on the power spots, and then the communicative avenues would be the lays, and this would be the basic of city planning. That was done even during the Roman Empire, when they planned the whole regions of Europe, they placed their pathways uh, between the power spots. So they would move from one power spot to the other so that the armies were replenished. Now, today, we know, for example, that uh, this concept of planning using power spots was based, uh, was used, let's say, in Washington, in Paris, in Rome, in Cairo, during the French and American Revolution. So those ancient uh, ways of interacting with power spots were used till lately. And of course, they got the obelisks from Egypt and put them in the center there, just like the cavemen did to amplify the energy of the power spot and drive it into the avenues. So this whole, I, I was intrigued by all this science. And now I thought, I want to understand this uh, energy. And since the energy has to do with underground uh, stream crossings, and I found that certain crossings produced those sacred power spots, while other crossings with other angles produced very harmful cancerous areas. Right. So here we had a geometrical language. So I said, if, I, if it's a geometrical language and I'm an architect, uh, I'm at home here, you know. And from there, I started. And this was my idea now, is how to use this energy. And this energy is, as I'll explain later when we go deeper, it's not an energy quality. It's a centering energy for all qualities. You know, and the difference, yes. uh, the difference here is in energy medicine, you usually have a disturbance that is either uh, a sort of over uh, function or under function. And yeah, you do, excess yang or excess yin, yeah. you could call it. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, yin or yang. And then you need to balance it. But to balance it properly, you have to have the right dosage. So it cannot be done haphazardly. It has to have the right dosage. But now imagine for me as an architect, if I wanted to use those principles in a building, now I, I have the bedroom, I need this energy quality. So I would have to say, for example, that you sleep in the bedroom for six hours, 32 minutes, and 20 seconds, the dosage <laughs> to, to yeah, bring you in balance, and then the living room yeah. too much. That is not yeah. possible in architecture. But no, architectures, 
Yeah, it's too situational. It, yeah, but we know in architecture, we know when we go to, a, to an ancient temple or to a sacred passport, if you have over-function, it balances it. If you have under-function, it balances it. And if you stay there uh, f- for a month, you will not get uh, an overdosage or something like that because there is another way of healing that is beyond duality, beyond time and space. Something that has to do with what I call the centering effect. Yes. So now we were at the point where we needed to measure, find the geometrical language for this centering effect on which we built by geometry. It's a centering effect, but it's the most important thing about it is if we deal with this energy, if we build the science on it, we're building a multidimensional science that goes through multiple dimensions beyond ours because those vortices are multidimensional. So that is the basic paradigm. Now I'll let you give your take on this before I go further. Well, I love it. There's a lot of things I want to say, um, but I don't want to sidetrack the flow. So I'll say a couple of things. One, Philip Callahan traveled to all the well-known power sites or healing sites in the world, and he measured the level of paramagnetism there. And the highest you can go is 4,000, which is oxygen. It's the highest uh, at at paramagnetic 4,000. He found that if a farmer's field did not have between 100 and 300 paramagnetic reading that the crops would would uh, have a lot of problems and they'd have a lot of problems with parasites and crop failures he found the highest uh, paramagnetic energy in the world in the soil was along the Nile in Cairo area and um he found in the power spots that most of them had a paramagnetic reading of 1000 to 1600 which compared to most places is, you know, many, many, many times more. So when you look at the fact that human tissue and most things out there, water, for example, is diamagnetic, the paramagnetic energy creates the polarity differential to generate a power source naturally. And he showed that that mix of paramagnetic and and diamagnetic energies produces the electric field that the plants climb on. As you know, the electric field goes vertically. And he showed that if the electromagnetic field was too weak, that the plants didn't have enough strength, trees wouldn't grow properly. But the point I'm leading to as it relates to centering energy, if you just take your typical kind of uh, sine wave where you draw a horizontal line representing zero, if you have a large amplitude sine wave which would be a lot of power, and you go to the center, then you're going to be in the middle of a flow of potential that is directly related to the magnitude of the sine wave. So you could call it a zero point. And and what's coming up in me, interesting, I'm clairvoyant. And as you were speaking, I had a very interesting image. I had an image of the cross and the centering energy is right smack in the middle where the vertical and the horizontal beam meet. And I had this image of you standing right there in a giant cross. So it seems to me that what you're really describing, if you look at it in concert with Callahan's research, is that not only were the people 
tuned into nature enough to find the, the right stones if they were building structures, but to find the right balance of this, these energies in nature. And because the energies are so strong, as Callahan measured, it would seem to me that it, you could say if the energies were weak, it would be like a tiny well, a well that, uh, say, an artesian well that only produces a gallon a minute. But in some of these healing structures, it would be like a well that's producing thousands of gallons a minute. And therefore, the flow through the centering energy would be of an equal magnitude. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. I'm excited to announce that Bioptimizers has formulated the most potent, complete, and first full-spectrum magnesium formula ever created, Magnesium Breakthrough. If you want to beat stress, get fit, sleep better, and recover faster, you need full-spectrum magnesium to complete your healthy lifestyle. Using Magnesium Breakthrough can help you feel calmer throughout the day, which is very helpful to anyone feeling stressed or anxious about the issues of the world today or about challenges in their life in general. Magnesium Breakthrough is a complete formula that includes naturally derived forms of all seven forms of supplemental magnesium. Most magnesium products only have one or two of the seven forms of magnesium the body needs, and that's just not enough if you really want the nutrition, balancing, and healing effects offered by Bioptimizer's complete formula. Sadly, many of the magnesium products on the market, when tested, have been found to have high levels of heavy metals, such as mercury. In Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough, there are no synthetic additives or preservatives. This is the most potent oral magnesium you'll ever find, period. When you sleep better, you recover better. When you feel calmer, it's easier to stay centered and effectively respond to the life challenges we all face today. And guess what? When you rest better, you recover better and relax more deeply with the support of Magnesium Breakthrough, you have less stress and more energy to support your body's immune and detoxification systems, which are both vital to living in a modernized world, but often stressful world. If that's not enough, guess what? When you go to bioptimizers.com, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash living 4D, that's number four, little d, little case d, Bioptimizers.com forward slash living 4D and use the promo code Paul10, all small case P A U L 10. Living 4D listeners get 10% off magnesium breakthrough and any of Bioptimizers' excellent products. I love Bioptimizers' products and I use them every day as an important part of my strategy for creating well being, and you can too. Enjoy Bioptimizers. Well, before I go further, on the point I started with, I just like to say something about uh, the cross. Uh, Please, since you saw me standing there, because it plays an important role. If you look uh, at the cross section of electromagnetic wave, one model of it, not every electromagnetic wave is like that, but basically, yeah. it moves along two planes: vertical and horizontal. Right. Magnetic, horizontal, electrical, vertical. Yes. Uh, physicists will tell you uh, they're not necessarily vertical and horizontal and not necessarily at 90 degrees to each other. They can even be at uh, any angle and even parallel to each other. It doesn't really matter. The important thing is you have two planes of opposite polarities, you know, like a yin-yang. You have two electrical magnetic. You have two planes. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> imagine... Uh, a tube 
with airflow or water flow in that tube. Why should energy move along two planes and leave the rest out? In reality, energy moves through a medium because the shape of the wave cannot exist except in a medium. Right. To have the two, uh, uh, let's say, impulses in it, forms of the, to form a pulse, you need an interaction with the medium. Now, right. we studied, or uh, I'll get something that I'll explain later, but we have, in our way of measurement, we work, uh, we can work on multidimensional uh, levels. That means we divide the emotional, the mental, and spiritual, every one of those planes into 12 subplanes, and we have geometrical shapes that resonate with each plane, so we can actually do measurements on those planes and access their energies. Now, when you look at the cross, you will find that in this empty area, in this empty quarter, at every angle, there's a different plane. And all those planes are non-electromagnetic compression wave planes moving faster than the speed of light. So Yes, like so, a black hole. Yeah, so you have uh, somewhere uh, the first plane that would come, you have a vitality plane. You, then you have an emotional plane that even moves faster. Then you have a mental plane that moves even faster. At 45 degrees, you have a, a, a spiritual plane that's nearly zero and infinity. And where they cross, you have, it's not a point, but it's a vortex, like you said, a form of a black hole. Now, this form is not a black hole because in the biogeometry paradigm, when we start thinking about the first particle, I'm going off track a bit here, but you made me do that with the post, but so. <laughs> no, let's, let's, hey, let's, just, uh, let's, yeah. let's just, let's just, let's just have fun. I'm, yeah, you know, I got, fun. yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to the key points. Spirit's okay. guiding us. I'm, I, I've got a lot of interest in this and I, I really think that what we're talking about is very, very important today because. Yeah. So. Ultimately it relates to what's going on in the world. Okay. So let's go. To the beginning, the, to the first emanation in creation, because uh, I look at the first particle, electromagnetic particle and wave, these are end stages of creation. They're not beginning stages. Let's go to the beginning where you have, you go beyond time and space where you have a state of zero equal infinity. Exactly. So in a state where zero equals infinity, there is this primordial consciousness, primordial life. All those things mm -hmm. are in a latent state. And the first, uh, let's say, manifestation of this consciousness is in the form of a primordial fog, a sort of a primordial fog in the beginning. Mm -hmm. The primordial fog in the beginning, you could interact with it. Because it's zero and infinity, so it could be a primordial fog, or it could be, let's say it could be an ocean and could be a drop at the same right. time. 
Now, the drop would be the doorway into the ocean. So the yes. drop would be the black hole into the ocean. Now, once you have the drop, I call that, in my upcoming book, I call that drop because it's the first doorway or black hole that, uh, that goes into divinity. I call that the divon. Now, this divon center uh, sort of breathe, it goes into a breath like a pulse. Sure. This pulse creates eight layers. The outgoing layer is of mental nature, and then the ingoing layer is of emotional nature. So I call them eight psychon layers. So, as in psyche, you mean? Because uh, emotional, mental, yeah, it's a form of a psyche. So yes, good. So th this divan produces; uh, it just expands and contracts. It makes one pulse. Now this pulse, it has created an eight-level psychon that collapses back in it. But the thing we should look at is that this, uh, when it expands, it is expanding in all directions and in all dimensions. So the divan exists equally because it's zero and infinity, exists equally in all dimensions. So the psychon that comes out, the first particle, is a multidimensional particle. And it's made of the center is the divan and the psychon is around. That is the first particle of creation. You see, it's on that can I, level. Can I interject and ask a quick question? Yes, please do. Would the divon refer to the ether? No, the e the ether, the the divan is a center in the ether. Okay, so the cloud though wouldn't that be the ether correlated? Yes, the fog. Yes, the primordial fog would be. Yes, yes, because uh, there's. But yes. call it not the ether. Call it a higher harmonic of the ether. Okay, because the ether. Exists like on uh, on the we'll go soon to the science of harmonics, but the ether exists on several harmonic levels, all in resonance and communication with each other. So the fog, this is, and the deep one, this is the highest level. Now imagine, let's take this model and go into the wave. When the divan uh, expands and contracts, it forms the first pulse. That means the first wave. So, if you come down back now to our dimension, every pulse in the universe is actually uh, a manifestation of the divan. The divan produces an axis and contracts it. So, the central axis is always uh, an emanation from the divan. And now we should look as if now that divinity through the divans, through those holes that go up all the way to divinity, is actually what is holding the waves together, what's holding the pulses together. And everything in nature is pulse. So there is a divine background that is equally center and equally folk. Right. Everything together. And this 
the background, which is equally uh, divan and equally fog, is actually uh, divine, uh, primordial divine consciousness, primordial life, and everything. So we are bathing in life. Everything plays into, it's like the theater where the stage is this consciousness and life and all that, and we just play in it. So when people think that they can produce life with artificial intelligence, I tell them, this is like my friend, you know, I have a colleague called Dr. Fish, and Dr. Fish is in the ocean. And he is trying to use artificial intelligence to create water. Right. It's a good a good analogy. I'm thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, one has to resort to all sorts of imagination, you know. Being too serious doesn't help. So no. so now once we have that level. And that level is the center of every pulse. Now, when we go down to the wave, uh, let's go, say, from this very, very high speed, let's go very quickly into, we lower, lower, lower the speed all the way until we reach the speed of light. The speed of light is really a, a huge slowing down of this uh, zero to infinity. It's, it's a slowing down, slows down until it reaches the speed of light. And on that level, the harmonic of the fog, that means the primordial ocean here, or is harmonic, it's like a compression wave ocean. And imagine on the compression wave ocean, all of a sudden, sparks arise. Yes. Those sparks are electromagnetic sparks that arise and finish at the same time. So it's millions of sparks keep arising and going away. They are of electromagnetic nature. Now imagine Mm -hmm. that every one of those sparks is the universe. Yes. So each one of those sparks is a big bang. So the big bang is really a late stage of creation. It cannot be the first particle or something. You could, you could say it's the first physical particle. Right. Yep. I totally agree. Okay. And unfortunately, Western science, uh, mater- scientific materialism and Western science, is uh, they, their whole investigation stopped with the Big Bang, but they don't ask the bigger question, what caused it? And Itzhak Bentov, I don't know if you're familiar with Bentov. He's the guy that invented the pacemaker. Yes. He wrote several great books and he he was the first man to do scientific research on meditation and its effects on human physiology. Um he uh he talks all about these types of things and uh so anyhow I lost my my point there but anyhow Bentov's work is is very much in line with everything you're saying. It's good you know when you lose your point that means you're well into right brain consciousness. That's why I'm losing my points all the time. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> live there. Actually, I, I I have to I have to work to go to my left brain. Yeah, me, me too. Me too. That's uh, that's the nice thing about it. That's what makes us happy. Now, you know, I I grew up on a farm on Vancouver Island with 140 acres, and most of it was 
a good 60% of it was wild, you know, untouched forest. And we had cougars and bears and wolves and everything else there. So whenever, you know, and our parents didn't look after us, like, you know, worry about us. They, if you wanted to go off in the woods, if you got eaten, that was your fault. So <laughs> whenever I would go out into the woods, which is quite a lot, I learned to extend my consciousness out like a radar system. And I've literally been six feet from cougars and all bears right next to me. And somehow I've, since I was a child, I had this right brain carrier wave function. And even to this day, because we have a lot of rattlesnakes on our property and, and where I used to have my office and a lot of people come visit me and they're very scared of them, but I just connect to the spirit of the rattlesnake. And I can feel them. I can literally feel them. I've demonstrated it to my friends many times and it freaks them out. But I'm just sharing with you that. No, that's the right brain at work because it's this uh, holistic it's thing. Yeah, it's a fusion yeah. into the greater truth yeah. of ourselves. Now, let me take you a, a bit further because we're speaking about physical existence. Let me go earlier than physical existence. But before I go, we know from quantum physics that consciousness can actually produce a particle or a wave. Yes. Okay. So that means they are produced in our perception, in our dimension. But subtle energy is formless. It's not a particle or wave. We Consciousness is sort of manifesting those out of subtle energy. Now, subtle energy, there's a primordial mind there. There is what makes the particle wave in the physical world is not human uh, perception. This human intention, okay, it's in the experiment, but in it, it's the universal mind that produces the particles and waves of our dimension. But now let us go, what if we are in on the emotional level or on the mental level where we are in those higher dimensions? Now, can't consciousness do the same thing and produce particles and waves, but they would be made of emotional stuff or mental stuff? Yes, i.e. like the astral plane would be the emotional stuff. Yeah, and but then you would have, uh, actually, when you're in there, you would have a physical, solid dimension. It would be physical. So you could have emotional physical, you could have mental physical, you could have yeah. ritual physical. So when we speak about physical, it's not just the electromagnetic physical. Once we get out of it, you know, once you close your electromagnetic senses, or once you, it's very easy, once you travel uh, this little corridor between left brain and right brain, we travel it from time to time. At death, we will travel it. The tunnel we see is just this tunnel between right and left brain. Once we're on the other side and leave our senses aside, then we see all those other dimensions. And we see them, touch them, and everything, because we will be made from the same stuff. The soul will be made from the same stuff like they are. So Exactly. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I work in those dimensions all the time. Okay, so we must 
when we uh, develop by geometry and working with those sacred power spots, we have to sort of work in a multidimensional way and in a way that you communicate with the whole universe like the right brain. You know, the left brain is analytical, quantitative. So you have yeah. quantitative science. Now, Linear. if you need a science for the multidimensional uh, aspects of the universe, you need to have a science of quality or a physics of quality. Hi, everybody. I know that you're all aware of the importance of vitamin C. There is a mountain of research on it, but not all C is created equally. I love Paleo Valley's Essential C Complex because it is the real deal, bioavailable. And I wanted you to hear right from Autumn Smith, founder of Paleo Valley, why their Essential C Complex is so unique and something you definitely want for your family and your children. Autumn, tell us about your Essential C Complex. Well, I was shocked to learn as a holistic nutritionist that 90%, over 90% of the vitamin C on the market is derived from genetically modified corn and then it's processed with highly volatile acids. And so I knew I had to find a better way to get all of the powerful benefits of vitamin C. So what I did was I dove into the research and I found the three most vitamin C rich superfoods on the planet. That's unripe acerola cherry and camu camu and amla berry. And then I just packed them into capsules. And the benefits are amazing because you're not only getting vitamin C, but all of the other wonderful benefits that come from these amazing superfoods. So to get access to this complex, all you have to do is go to paleovalley.com and you can use the code CHECK15 at checkout. That's lowercase c-h-e-k 15 and you can save 15% off. Now, I went, now this is the second step in my studies. Uh, I went there uh, while I was at university in Zurich, my professor, he, he knew uh, which things I was always discussing with him besides architecture. And he gave me uh, a present at the time. Uh, I'm speaking about uh, the year 60, 61. You know, well, I, was, uh, I was born in 61. <laughs> <laughs> I was at university. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> So, uh, so he uh, gave me a book called Acroasis. Acroasis means it's a Greek word means hearing, but not hearing in the physical sense. It's hearing the universe, and it was written by Hans Kaiser, a Swiss who, in the late forties and fifties, revived the science of universal harmonics the way it was practiced with the ancients. So now, my interest was led, uh, led me to universal harmonics where everything in the universe was in resonance. Now, this was very interesting to understand the relationship between all things and uh, this multidimensionality because you had uh, properties or qualities that would actually repeat themselves over different octaves. So you could have in one visual octave, let's say you could have the red color or you could have the note C. But if you look at your instrument, 
you'll have every time every time you have uh, a string double the length or half the length, you'll have the same quality repeating itself. So my idea was, now I needed the instruments. I need to expand my instruments on one side to zero and on the other side to infinity in order to be able to go up to all the levels of zero infinity. So I extend my instruments, and now you have a communication system that spans everything in creation. Yes. So now we, we would have a science of quality that is based on interactive qualities in creation. Now, once I had this science and I had my first uh, interest in sacred power spots, I found something was missing now. I wanted to apply uh, harmonics to the quality of energy in sacred power spots, to this deven level, to all those levels, but it wasn't there. It was split in notes. So I studied it further. I found that not only did you have the main resonance between similar notes or similar colors, no, there was a secondary resonance. So between two notes, you had 16 levels of resonance, actually, that at the end, the universe was not split in seven notes or something like that. Through the secondary resonance, you had the unity in the universe. And now... I said, okay, if there is this unity, I, the system does still doesn't help me with the sacred power spot, with this quality of energy of the sacred power spot. Now, where did I find in the harmonics, where did I find this energy? I found the energy not in the proportions of the strings, but this energy would be actually at the fixed points of the string. Right. Because exactly. the fixed points of the strings, that's where you have all the angles coming out and the memory of the fixed points. So you would have a even actually at the fixed point of the string. You'd have this black yes. hole at the fixed point of the spring. Now, universal harmonics were, came closer to the idea of sacred power spots. Now I could put them together. And now I had the first steps of biogeometry uh, ready. Then I looked, once I found the fixed point, I looked at dowsing and radiesthesia. I found that dowsing and radiesthesia had the same problem. Uh, the basic dowsing was actually based on the ancient magical schools of the law of similarities, where they divided everything into seven qualities. The whole universe would fit into seven boxes of seven colors. And right. uh, with your pendulum, you, you could actually find all the law of similarities, put all similar things in each color. I thought here I had uh, the same problem. The universe was not fragmented. In, in You had the qualities, but the, there was the unity somewhere behind all that. So... I developed a system of harmonics and dowsing and radiesthesia together. But the whole idea was, how do I develop that system uh, so that I connect 
uh, with the central point. I, I needed this unity of the universe. I need, because at that central point, I have my sacred power spots. So I found that, okay, if you hold the pendulum in your hand, uh, then actually under your finger where you have the fixed point, this is one of those multidimensional points. But yeah, I can understand point, that. Yeah, but this point you could hold any point point on the string, and you'd have that point. It exists everywhere. You know, you know? I want to if I could just share something interesting because uh, in in his book "Stalking the Wild Pendulum," yes. Itzhak Bentov says at the exact moment that a pendulum changes direction, it's everywhere in the universe simultaneously. Yes. Exactly. And there would be your still point, your your uh, Davon point. Yes, but we had uh, the whole idea was now how do I had to create new instruments because saying that the pendulum when it goes up at this point it's elusive, you know. So yeah, well, it's, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah. It's only there for a micro, uh, you know, you know, uh, yeah. a now. <laughs> it's there for a now. <laughs> so I said, now I'm going to get to make new pendulums where I arrange the colors on a circle around a center. So now I had a certain relationship that the colors were all on a center the way they exist in normal French, German, radiesthesia and all that, the, the way they exist. Now, after having the, the uh, colors on the periphery of a circle, and I had a pointer. The pointer would be sort of uh, polarized, mm -hmm. and the colors would be polarized, so I could move the pointer to choose a color, and I had a pendulum that chooses each color. Now, this was very good as a first level of what we call radiesthesia or dowsing, and yeah. this uh, is the method used that separates the color completely so you could actually use it for detection and that's how uh, radiesthesia and dowsing work scientific dowsing now i went a step further i wanted you know my interest always that center that elusive center so i thought inside every color on that circle there is a point that connects to the center and that point that connects to the center means that this color uh, calibration will have equally all the other colors inside it too. So I could have now what I call living colors. Because, you know, nature is always, uh, when it shows you diversity, it is showing it to you as an aspect of unity. Yes. It's showing it to you everything in the background. And that is how uh, the difference between the ancient Egyptian and the modern person, or between the way you and I and the Ray here think and the lay person thinks. We, when you are sort of focused in your right brain consciousness, you see the everything in the universe through the unity. The overall yes. unity and all the diversifications are components of the unity. But when you're in your left brain, 
you analyze the diversifications are not components of anything. They are things that you can keep cutting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And you have to preach day and night to tell people that there's unity somewhere, you know, if you're in the left brain consciousness. So here it's we arranged a second form of disk on that pendulum that we can actually measure those living colors, the ones that had everything in it. Once we had those, we went a step further and we made certain special disks that actually uh, measure the components of life force. So you could measure the components of life force in any organ in the body and something, find something missing and all that. So with all that, now we had a radiesthesia, a form of, I call it harmonic uh, system of radiesthesia that you can use. And we even have special devices in it that you can use. For example, you can uh, adjust your pendulum to work on any mental level. So usually, for example, if we diagnose a certain organ and it has a problem, so I can check on all the levels and find where is the problem somewhere in, in the vitality or is it uh, on the fourth level of the emotional or on the eighth level of the mental. So by pinpointing uh, the level, I could actually find corrective energies in that level. Uh, this is somehow the multidimensional way we work with it. But we also have another aspect of multidimensionality, and that is the aspect where uh, you work with all parallel dimensions, the other ones, you know? Yeah. For example, we have special devices or pendulums that can be adjusted in such a way. Now, I can go uh, in the desert near the pyramids, walk there, and the pendulum would detect every wall and everything of every temple that was there and has is gone thousands of years ago. I, I would go and all of a sudden I'm in front of a wall because this device would only detect in that other dimension or adjust the device to detect in the afterlife or the other life for the departed people. So showing you that we sort of tweaked universal harmonics with a form of radiesthesia and a form of, the, let's say, the energy of sacred power spots. Now, the most important thing with all that became that we can now geometrically reproduce the quality of a sacred power spot, the quality of energy. We can actually, since we can reproduce it geometrically, we can amplify it millions of times, we can store it, we can radiate it like a laser. So we have emitters that you can aim at an electrical source that's far away and sort of harmonize it. And uh, for example, in a project in Switzerland, uh, I used the telecom towers to spread this energy of the sacred power spot in the whole area because 
uh, it would take me too much work to keep installing geometrical shapes everywhere uh, if I'm doing a whole region. So well, I worked. That, with, I, I wanted to make a point if I could. Sorry to yes, interrupt. Please. I've been, I've been actually wanting to make this one for a while. I wrote this note down about 20 minutes ago, but it seems to me, you know, I've studied radionics yeah. and um, it seems to me that if there was a way you could use radionic technology to broadcast biogeometry corrections for the whole planet, uh, wouldn't that be well, an yeah, amazing I've gift? Been, I've been a member of the Radionic Society since uh, the late 50s. So uh, yeah, I know uh, uh, how to project those devices, to use those projection devices. But now we have... Uh, let's say mastered the, the art or the science of creating fixed geometrical shapes like a geometrical emitter right. it would emit uh, the energy I want but I can also not only emit it I can specify on which uh, level or which dimension to emit it and so this is very advanced work I can make a, a, an emitter on a certain emotional level or an emitter on a certain mental level or even an emitter to emit and correct the problem in a parallel dimension. So, I mean, once we, we, we have a geometrical design language and uh, this design language uh, really changes things because the design language of biogeometry, once you know how to recreate to those centers or those deepened connections, you're actually using the forming process of nature. You know, what, uh, what we do here, I'll, I'll simplify it uh, in a way, that when you have natural shapes out there, the shapes interact with life force. When we make our human-made products, they have no life force in, in them. Now, having objects or things in the earth or on the earth that are devoid of life force is a very dangerous thing because everything in nature should have life force. Now, we are putting more and more things that do not have life force. And then there's another problem here. We have built a civilization now the age of information and this age of information puts more and more electromagnetic radiation in the atmosphere because this is a carrier uh, what carries this information now yeah you know a wave when it moves it creates heat yeah so we must acknowledge that electromagnetic radiation or the age of information is contributing to global warming and yeah, well, it, we can we can measure the fact that it it people exposed to electromagnetic pollution in office buildings and everything have increased inflammation in their body because it's oscillating the water molecules at, at violently fast rates, just like a microwave oven does if, in, in yes. a sense. So, okay, you're just making all the water molecules dance into a fervor. Yeah, but then you have another point here that's even more dangerous than that when things heat up, uh, they sort of uh, also dehydrate. Yes, they do. <laughs> okay, 
And remember, life force is in water. Yes. So modern technology is dehydrating uh, the biological or, or uh, let's say all the organisms in nature. We are dehydrating them with our technology. And yes, so it's it's creating a it's creating a um, we're losing the polarity differential that creates life force. In other words, if you have a discharged battery, yes. then the difference between the positive and negative terminal is zero. This is what we have. Not only that, when life force goes down, immunity goes down with it. Absolutely, and, and then pandemics rise. Hello, everybody. I'm super excited to announce Symbiotica's new Synergy B12 with B6. I love that product. I've been using it since they first came out with it, but they've upgraded it, improved it. And I've asked Shervin to come let us know how does this product work and what does it work for? Shervin, why should we use your Synergy B12 with B6? Well, we wanted to create something that gives you instant energy, instant detoxification to the cell. Okay. And when I say instant energy, I don't mean anything like a stimulant like caffeine or any of the other stimulants that we're aware of. Something that actually boosts ATP production in the body and allows cellular detoxification right down to the center of our existence. And by adding B6 in there, this is a known destabilizer and reduction of homeocysteine levels in the brain, heart, and throughout the entire body. Along with that, we have fulvic minerals in there. We have different forms of B12, methylcobalamin, which is the methylating form, and it's in liposomal context, meaning that we've encapsulated it with a liposomal fat. So it's basically a food product. Mm -hmm. And as you know, bioavailability is more important than anything in this world. We got to be able to absorb all these things. It's probably our best seller. Everyone's loving it. Mothers are loving it. Children are loving it. It's allowing children's free mind, free thinking. They're not getting as frustrated as they are because all of a sudden now their body can detoxify. And a lot of people that have the MTHFR gene mutation that we know is becoming popular now, this is a solution for that. And along with the B12, we do have L-methylfolate in there as well. It's pretty much a one-stop shop when it comes to B vitamins. It's incredible stuff. And lowering homocysteine levels, for those of you that aren't in the lingo, it means it's going to lower inflammation in your body, which is a major component to the huge issues of metabolic syndrome going on right now. So run over to symbiotica.com, C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com, and on checkout, use the code all caps, check, C, capital C, capital H, capital E, capital K, 15, to get your 15% discount. And while you're there, have a look at all their amazing products and use your 15% discount across the board. Thank you, Shervine. My honor. And I tell people all the time, if you're not vital, your body has to make critical decisions at every moment as to which of your key systems, be it nervous system, circulatory system, thermoregulatory system, digestive, eliminative, limbic, etc., that the body is going to divert energy to. And when you have cancer cells coming into your body and parasitic organisms and fungal spores and the long, long list of things that the body has to police, as the vitality drops down, then the body actually has to decide, well, do I keep this person's brain turned on or go after that cancer cell? So we have reached a point of devitalization where the body's actually having to drop so low in its survival mechanisms that we're having tremendous problems with health all over because the body's 
having to defer the cleanup work that it doesn't have the energy to do where the person's going to die. Yes, and this is where the biogeometry design language or the biogeometry design principles come in. They are design principles, very simple design principles that bring in the life force into human-made products of any kind. Now, Dorea will explain that. I'll have a sip of tea and Dorea can explain that. Well, before you switch to Dorea, I just want to make a couple of comments. Are you familiar with Victor Schauberger's work on water? Of course, yes. I come from that area. I mean, I, I did all my youth and my studies and all that in the German culture. Right. And then Steiner's work as well. Yes, so of both, of them, both of them created flow forms. And one of the things that we're doing is putting water into straight tubes, building square buildings. I've yes. studied the Native American culture quite a bit. And one of the things that the Native American Indians, especially the medicine men and chiefs said to the Americans when they forced them into reservations, they said, all these square buildings are making us sick. Yes. Energy does not flow through them. And they asked if they could have their teepees, but they wouldn't let them have the teepees because they were trying to enculturate them into the Western mindset. But there's just a simple biogeometrical explanation from people that were just in touch with the reality of life force. Because, you know, they, they didn't know that if you want to build square buildings or, or, or any orthogonal form of building, the only way to do it properly is actually to use the earth energies, the earth energy grids, as your wall axis. So you would be planting the rectangular shape or square shape. You'd be planting it in the energy of the earth. Only then can it be healthy, you see. Right. But we don't know that. Nobody uh, does that. So before you before you t- take a switch for Doria, can I share two comments? One of them is a question. Yes, please do. I don't think we're switching. What? <laughs> well, we're not switching. What? He's he's here. Um, oh no, no. I mean, I, because he was giving you a chance to share oh. some things, and I'm very excited to yeah. hear that. But because Kareem's making my mind explode, <laughs> and I've got like two pages of notes here. Um, there's a couple things I wanted to bring up. One of them is what keeps coming to me over and over again as I'm listening to you talk is the definition of God, which I'm sure you've heard. Yes. God is a sphere whose center is everywhere and circumference nowhere. Yes. That's the, like, like how we say the demon and, and, the, and the primordial form. Yes. Every time you were mentioning that, I kept yeah. having that ring through my mind. Now, I've got a pretty deep question for you, Kareem. Yeah. Rudolf Steiner said, man will continue to invent technology outside of himself until he either destroys the world or realizes that everything he's creates, created outside of himself is a copy of a more advanced technology within himself. Are you familiar with that comment by Steiner? Yes, because remember that by activating the demon in your products, you're actually, I mean, when, when, when you do uh, make a product and then you activate the demon energy inside it and activate the life force in it, 
it becomes alive inside you. Because remember, right. every product of humanity, it starts existence within you. And then yes. you put it outside. But if it has no connection to the higher levels, if it has no connection to the life force, it becomes an external object that does it also, not serve when, humanity. Right. So do, wouldn't that be the, the uh, sort of a correlation of like a musical instrument being very out of tune? Yes. Because, you know, music, uh, when in ancient Egypt, they, if you get the rope and then you, you turn that rope, it starts taking uh, different proportions uh, it splits in half and then into thirds and five eighths and then comes back, you see. So uh-huh. they found that if a rope always divides itself according to certain proportions, that means waves split according to those proportions. And if we get a string and sort of put those proportions on the string, and we pluck them, we enter into resonance with the proportions of creation. So we would be speaking to the mind of God. So music was a form of interacting with divinity through those special proportions that creation uses. And in ancient times, whenever you did any activity, at the onset of the activity, you needed to connect. Music brought in the life force, connected to the divan, and brought balance to every activity you did. So at birth, you had the music. At death, you had the music. You went to war, you had the music. You initiated the house, you had the music. So music is divine. Music is the language of speaking to divinity. Yes, I I totally agree. The question I'm now going (laughs) to... put in your lap is if Steiner's telling us that everything we're creating outside of us is a copy of a more advanced technology within us. My question for you is where is the biogeometry technology within us? You see any, any technology that comes from within you and comes out there is manifested in a product that has connection to divinity, that has full life force, then this is a product that is a true manifestation of the multidimensional presence in the universe, of your multidimensional presence in the universe. Otherwise, it's not. It's, a, uh, it's something you're trying to do. It's, less, it's a play. Uh, it's the left brain playing around. Okay, so if I hear you right, you're saying that the answer to my question is that the truth of what is capable of biogeometrical association or capable of creating the technology you're creating is the integrated harmony of all the systems and cells and energies of the body. Yes, because quality, remember, quantity is a left brain function. Quality is a right brain function. All the forces of nature are sort of right brain functions. Those are the qualities 
through which the laws of nature interact uh, to create everything here. And uh, luckily enough, the divine order has put all the important things in life in the domain of the right brain consciousness, in the domain of the qualitative laws of nature, for example, like the way all your biological functions work in your body and all that. If they were left to your left brain and you were given a manual, a 200-page manual of how to run your body, you wouldn't last three minutes. No, you would. Yeah, you wouldn't last. You'd last until the oxygen ran out. That'd be it. <laughs> okay, but so we are lucky that somebody else is running our system. You know. Yes. You know, listening to you explain this, which is absolutely gorgeous, by the way. Thank you so much. You know, I could talk to you for a thousand days and nights because I do a lot of my own spiritual research and, and I wish I had time to tell you about all the things. Someday I hope I can share some things Maybe with you. Maybe we'll together someday under your waterfall there. Uh, yes. And you'll yeah. all about it. Yeah, I'd love it. Um, there's... Uh, Oh, I, I lost my. Tr oh, yes. The 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 thing that I think you're going to understand my point, but I'm curious to see how you respond to it. The conscious mind, like, you know, when we're listening to someone talk or when we're writing a sentence, the conscious mind, as we, you know, we associate it with the ego, it's a linear processor. You know, there's about 30 billion bits of information flowing through the human central nervous system a second, but the conscious mind only receives 10 to 100 which are largely based, researchers say, on what we consider to be conscious or unconscious survival threats. But the rest of it is running in parallel, which we call our, our um, subconscious or autonomic systems. And it seems to me that we actually have fallen into the trap of not realizing that the way we're seeing things in the world and the way we're doing uh, standard modern left brain science is really an overinvestment in the linear thinking process of an ego when we could actually go so much deeper by integrating what Steiner called spiritual science, which integrates the left and the right brain hemispheres together, which is exactly what you're doing with biogeometry. But it seems like we're really, we're, we're suffering from a tremendous addiction of this linear process and believing that the products are true without actually realizing that it might be true in a linear sense, but it can be very, very wrong in a spherical sense. You know, look at it that way. Now, your ego is uh, information, an information data bank. Right. Uh, that has been filled up through the interaction. By of someone else. <laughs> so it's a sensory data bank. So the ego is a sensory ego, and the senses yes. only interact with a very, very small portion of reality. Now, yes. in th this interaction of the senses, they have the their own linear time and space of those senses. Now, you go to the right brain, and the whole universe, what was, what is, and what will be, is there in this domain. You're in it. It's timeless. But yes. now, any information that comes through 
from that uh, area to your left brain so that you perceive it because you perceive in your right brain. To go in there, th there's a, a few uh, blocks here. Now, first, it has to be time-stamped and space-stamped because you're entering into a time-space concept of the sensory organs. Right. So you have to stamp your information according to the electromagnetic physical time-space. So, so things, of course, will change a bit. When they're time-stamped, they get limited. Now, Yeah, it creates an exclusion principle. It's an exclusion principle. And then uh, the second thing, they have to be made uh, perceivable through the cultural content of your database. Absolutely. And because you see... Yeah, you see what you believe and you believe what you see. Okay. And that's just science. There's, that's scientific fact. Okay, so this, uh, this is the difficulty of acquiring uh, universal information in the left brain. It has to come out in certain instances for people who uh, from time to time go into the right brain mode and usually in the right brain mode, you have a lot, a lot of knowledge. But when you go into the left brain, you sort of leave it there. You forget it there because the time stamping lets you forget it. You, you know, you feel it. You know you've had it. You know you've seen it. But the time stamping distorts it. But there are those moments when knowledge has to cross over to help humanity even in their limited left brain perception. So the universe is really, uh, the universal mind is a benevolent mind. So what, sure it is. so what happens is, now let us say I start making a certain uh, uh, theory. And this theory, I keep perfecting, perfecting, perfecting it. Until this theory reaches a certain level of excellence. When it reaches a certain level of excellence, the universal mind will comply. And then it's like a child who has perfected a little language. Now the universe will come in, talk to you in the language of your theory. And the benevolent mind will actually make subtle energy behave according to your theory. So it will help you make your theory actually work on the subtle Which level. Is, you're describing how you've created biogeometry, really what it sounds like to me. I don't know. But I'm saying the universal mind is the one that looks at us. We're little children. So every child might have a different formula. And each one will think, I have the formula that is the, the real one. This is how subtle and this is how energy really works. But in reality, it's the universal mind. It will comply to you and maybe in another civilization will comply to somebody else. 
So you might find completely different theories and different laws and different civilizations, and they all work just as good, not because they were that good, because the universal mind wants to bring information to them, because the universal mind wants them to work. It wants them to come in through the door instead of being afraid and closing the, the, the door to the right brain and even being afraid of it and sitting out there in the, in the left brain dimension. You know, it seems as I'm listening to you, I'm having this vision of a, of a triangle and at the top is the archetype of good, bottom left beauty, bottom right truth. Yes. Some of the key Platonic archetypes from yes. Plato. And it seems to me that if, if any of our pursuits are really harmonized with love and the genuine interest in what's best for everybody, that we start resonating with these archetypes of good, beauty, and truth, and you turn on that flow of yes. cosmic consciousness is, is the visualization I'm getting inside. You see, because all the, the laws of nature, they are the divine attributes, what we know as values and things like yeah. that. And if, you, uh, if your work accesses those values or has enough of those values in it, it will enter into resonance with those values on the right brain side. And then it, the right brain will comply. Yeah. It's, a, you know, and, and I've done a firewalk. Uh, Tony Robbins used to be a, a, a patient of mine when I worked in a physical therapy clinic. I used to take care of him and help him with it, when his voice got tired. And yeah. I taught him all sorts of stuff about conditioning and lots of stuff. But anyhow, he used to do very legitimate firewalk ceremonies where the coals would be burning all day in oak and it would be 2,600 degrees. But um, the point I'm driving at is to do the firewalk, he taught us how to hyp hypnotize ourselves. And you would stay very focused on the words, cool moss, cool moss, and you would chant the words so that as you entered onto the coals with bare feet, you visualized cool moss with tremendous intensity to the point that you were hypnotized to believing you were walking on cool moss and the fire would not burn you. Yes. But anybody that got scared immediately got burned. In fact, there was about six ambulances there. There was so many people you could smell burnt flesh everywhere. Yeah. But you know, I never told you this, but my mother was a yogi and I was raised in the, in the uh, self-realization fellowship. And I spent my 15th summer with the monks learning all sorts of things like this and going to, uh, our, our weekend temple meetings were with the monks. So I, I really got a chance to learn from monks at an early age, a lot of these basic principles. But why I brought the firewalk up is to, to stay in a state of hypnosis and bring your vibration up and really lock on fully and harmonize with the belief that it was cool moss, not coals, is really a right brain technology because it's the left brain that starts dividing things and says, okay, this isn't cool moss. This is fire and it's going to burn me. And there, you, So there you switch beliefs and you have to switch realities. You know, uh, the physical aspects of the fire burning and all that, the whole physical world is very limited in time. I mean, we exist here in a very limited uh, time, this physical existence. But the emotional, mental, and spiritual levels they are more permanent out there. So 
things that are permanent uh, in the background are much, much more powerful than things that are uh, just there for, for, for a very short period of a lifetime. So uh, emotional, mental, and spiritual uh, ways of looking at things or imagining things uh, have a much more, uh, let's say, much bigger effect than any physical action. Yes. You know, one thing that came up that I wanted to post to you, um, you know, there's a tremendous amount of research into near-death experiences, and I've had yeah. several of them myself. And um, it seems to me that a near-death experience is really a an experience of going into the right brain experience of oneself as a whole, as a spiritual being that is one with all. And it, it's almost as though some people attract that near-death experience to themselves because one of the most consistent findings amongst people that have had NDEs is that they are never the same again. They don't go back to their old ways of being violent in relationships or uh, they often don't go back to things like alcohol addictions. It's as though they've had such a, a, a deep encounter with the truth of themselves that they're now capable of seeing that they were trapped in an illusion and they long, no longer seek to generate those illusions. Do you, do you, do you think that that's uh, essentially a, 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 a potential model right. for what's happening? I, I, uh, I do a lot of uh, astral projection, out-of-body uh, things, uh, a lot of work out-of-body. So Me too. I'm a remote viewer. Okay. So I do remote viewing, but sometimes I actually go to the spots uh, and do things there. So uh, yes, me when too. you look at it, the, you're actually moving in the tunnel between the right brain and the left brain. It's not a very, you, you think you're going out there. No, it's this little tunnel. Because once you go in that tunnel, you reach a level of consciousness that is limitless. But Although it's limitless, it has degrees, dimensions that you go through. So in a near-death experience, imagine that uh, like the ancients would tell you, the ancient Egyptians or that would tell you the tunnel has gates. There are gates in there. Right. There are certain gates that you cross that you can go to other dimensions and come back. There are certain gates you can go to other, even go there, move there, heal people, do things. And come back. But then there is one gate at the end or one line. If you cross this one, you won't come back. So they will tell you. I mean, when you go there, even with those advanced beings. Yes. When you're separating and saying bye-bye, I'm going back to my physical body, you're going there. They'll tell you, mm -hmm. okay, here you have to go back. They tell you that. You have to go back because if you cross that line, you'll never be able to go back. And uh, this going through what you see, everybody sees as a tunnel, is actually the little few centimeters between right and left brain that looks like a tunnel. And you're going in it, in the tunnel. And then you yeah. open up in, in the right brain. And I always say that 
imagine uh, what happens on, on the left side of the brain. On the left side of the brain, you have time and space. On the right side of the brain, you don't have time and space. So it would be wrong to say that I go on the right side of the brain uh, when I die to the afterlife. Afterlife would be expressing it in left brain consciousness because only... Because there's no difference. No. Linear time, where you have before and after, where you have causality, exists mm -hmm. only in the left brain consciousness. Now, if you go to the other side, like many people today interpret things like reincarnation, things they interpret many things or afterlife, they always use the same uh, causality paradigm of the left brain. In reality, you should mm -hmm. shift, forget about causality, and the only thing that exists on that other side is resonance, multidimensional right. resonance. There's no causality on that other side. So actually, on that other side, you, you call it not the afterlife. A better word is to call it the other life. Because yeah. you are living in it at the moment. Yes. And I always say it's like uh, in this body, you are here with your roommate. You're living with your roommate. The, the roommate is living in that other life. He's always there. And you have only a temporary existence here interacting with your roommate. Mm -hmm. And giving your experiences to your roommate. He gives you advice and things like that. One day, there'll be only the roommate left. So you'll be, you will be your own roommate because the roommate is the real one. And then you'll be where you always were. And you are there right now. You know, yes. we're speaking together. The roommate is already going everywhere in the other dimension. He, he's never. He's not here, and then one day when you die, he'll go there. No. The soul, no. He's always there. Yes, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. You're referring to the soul, if, if I'm thinking. The, yes. the, the soul is always there. The past, present, and, and future is out there at the same time. You and you know what, what, what that brings up in me is the Hindu concept that Atman is Brahman and Brahman is Atman. So really it's God expressing itself in individuality yeah. as a means of creating love because if you don't have individuality and you only have unity there's no way love can flow god could not experience itself yeah. so ultimately the atman that is brahman is the mechanism by which we put spokes in the wheel to create relationships and allow love and experience to to happen it's the drop and the ocean yes and rumi says you are not a drop of the ocean. You are the ocean in a drop. Because now, it's like the divan. The divan is not this sort of communicative center. It's at the same time everything. So yeah. it is very difficult to think how can uh, a divan be a center and be everything. So, But this is how it is. When we well, the, beyond time and space, this is how it is. The problem is, is that people keep trying to figure these things out 
with their left brain, which is kind of like a watch trying to figure out its maker. Okay, yes. And, and you know, the, the highest truths are not truths that you can describe in words, as you know. This is why Lao Tzu speaks of the Tao that can't be spoken yeah. and the Tao that can be spoken. You, and you so know, you, you should always not try to explain them. You should sit back and they will explain themselves in your heart. Yes, exactly. We call that here, uh, we have a saying in Arabic saying, the intellect of the heart. Yes. And, you know, I was recently in, in a deep meditation and my soul said to me, Paul, the heart speaks in beats of rhythm until you stroke it. Then it communicates in waves. Yes. And so there was the paradox of the quantum physical reality of light being particles and waves. And, and what my soul was saying to me, when you stroke a child or when you stroke somebody that's in pain, you're expressing love and you're going out of the left linear beat process oh. or the binary zero one into a process of waves, yes. which are non-local, which means we through stroking ourselves and stroking others with love, we can enter into a, a non-local state of connection, which is why earlier when I was saying we're already connected without, you know, without, uh, you know, we, the illusion is the separation. And I think a lot of the problems in the world today and a lot of the fear with all this pandemic stuff wouldn't be so big if people had more leadership and more support in entering into music and into the true principles of spirituality and religion. And I think that um, biogeometry may be a technology that can help uh, bring people into such resonance with the demon in themselves that uh, the, the, by the shift of the environment, because we, as you know, we are the environment that the, the body's yeah. highly permeable. If we can, Use sacred, uh, you know, uh, biogeometry to create sacred space where we can actually take our ego off and say, okay, let me be honest and see what God has to say about this or what love has to say about this. I think that your devices can help us create sort of temples in our own home where we can actually go into worship and, and ask questions of our own souls or God as to how do we manage ourselves in, in our own lives and in the world so that we can get past all these bad habits we have of racism and fighting and dominating people with money and control. So uh, do you envision biogeometry as a vehicle for that type of practice and healing? You see, biogeometry here is the center. So biogeometry uh, in order to be accepted by people, by the left brain people, yes, it has to solve problem, problem. <laughs> that cannot be solved otherwise and that they have a financial gain from them. So otherwise they won't even let you through the door, you know. So for example, yeah. when we were in Switzerland and we have all those regions in Switzerland uh, that had electrosmoke problems, they were uh, revolting and wanted to dynamite the towers and things like that. And the government uh, contacted me and said, please find a solution for those people. 
So I told them uh, the, the right way to do it. If you know the source of the problem, then take away the source. And they said, we can't take away all the, the towers. They want to dynamite the, the mobile towers. They want to dynamite the uh, tension cables and uh, everything. We can't take the, the, the whole grid of Switzerland will fall apart if we start uh, following those people. So I said, right. so you want me to change the effect while keeping the source of the harm? Yes. And they said, yes. And I said, is that proper scientific logic? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not from a left brain perspective. <laughs> so, so they said, Dr. Karim, please don't play with us. We know we, you can do it. I said, no, I mean, do you have a solution in mainstream science? So they said, if we had a solution, why would we be getting you? So please solve the environmental crisis without taking away any uh, of profit. Resources. <laughs> so I said, okay, uh, I'll do it. So they told me, how will you do it? Can you explain to us your science by geometry? And you know, you should choose how to explain by geometry to people. So I told them, no, I will not explain it. So they said, why? I said, look, I'll go to that region. And after seven days, if everything is okay, if the health of the people and animals and uh, plants is better and everybody's happy, then ask me about biogeometry and I will explain it. If yes, after, because you knew, you knew then they would be interested. Yeah, <laughs> if after a week there's no, I, I mean, you don't see any results, then tell me go back home to Egypt. Right. Although I, I'm a scientist from Switzerland, I have my doctor's degree, everything there, but I told them I'll still, I'll go back to Egypt. So this is the way it is. You tell them, can you solve your problem? If you can solve it, don't waste my time. And for example, many things became apparent there in those people. Uh, when 60% of health symptoms were reduced, this meant that 60% of your health symptoms have their source in the environment out there. Yes. So this was a proof. So I, I'm telling them, I'm not saying what environmental factors are causing, but if you tell me I installed a few geometrical shapes and 60% of the problems are gone, then you think about it. Now, this is the way you approach people by showing them you can give them benefits, direct benefit to their left brain thinking. And yes. I say biogeometry is doing something. Biogeometry is sneaking in spirituality through the back door. Thank you. <laughs> because I have to sneak it in behind the ego, behind the mask. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the thing is, it's like you said, you you can't deny results. And uh, every single piece of biogeometry technology I've had the opportunity to experience, and I'm quite a well-tuned man. I've been 
involved in meditation and spiritual practices since I was a child. I studied with a Tai Chi master and I've been doing Tai Chi and Qigong for 20 years. So I'm quite a well-tuned instrument. And, uh, you know, I, I can feel what the biogeometry technology is doing inside me as much as I can feel a breeze of wind blowing through a window. You know, it's, it's not that hard to do when you have a well-tuned instrument. Yes, you have to be so, open to it. Yeah. And in fact, one of the techniques I use for my students when I'm teaching them uh, more advanced healing techniques and things is I just take uh, like a Bach flower rescue remedy flower essence. And I say, put four drops of this under your tongue. And if you do not have a significant awareness of an energetic shift in your body, raise your hand. And whenever anyone raises their hand, I tell them that means that you're energetically clogged up, that your body is either yeah. polluted or you've got trapped emotions or fears or unresolved issues of pain or judgment that you haven't healed. So you're going to have to heal yourself before you begin working on others. And you'll know when you're making progress, because if you put four drops of that flower essence in your mouth, you will notice that something's happening immediately. Yes, this is, you see, we, we try, for example, to bring in the aspect uh, of, you know, by jump, besides, in order to look at spirituality, at the same time, we're speaking about sacred power spots. So yes. you're speaking about being one with the environment, being one with the earth. You know, you, you're working with the earth. And sometimes I make that, uh, I play little tricks on stage like that uh, to show people what I mean. So once I was on stage and I had a very good friend uh, who was uh, a doctor. Uh, of acupuncture, a Chinese doctor of acupuncture. Well, he became a very good friend uh, with me later on, but at that time, it was the first time I saw him. So he came to one of our uh, courses, and I asked him, I said, I'm interested to see how you can very quickly diagnose with your fingers the 12 pulse points, uh, and I really admire all the acupuncturists, when they do that, they just diagnose the whole body like that, four taps with four fingers, and they know everything. Can I see that? And he said, of course, I can show you. So I asked him to come on stage. I got a person, and then the stage was wide like that. So I told him, look, we'll start by looking at the left side so that the people see you, and then we'll do the same thing on the right side. So we looked at the left side. He diagnosed the, the lady very well, and then I turned him the other side. I told him to diagnose, and a different diagnosis came out. So I laughed at him and said, "Look, I, I mean, come on, I mean, uh, you, you must know what you're doing, but you can't keep telling me every time something different." <laughs> I know you did a biogeometry. Uh, you put biogeometry in the mix, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> so, so he said, "No, no, something is wrong." So, well, come back to your first point and, and, and let's check it again. Because so he goes back to the first point, he gets another result again. Well, he comes back and said, look, uh, something uh, is wrong. I said, I, I'm not wrong. You're giving me different results every time. Now, while I said, let's, okay, let the girl stand in the center, not right, not left, and you diagnose her now and tell me what happens. He said, okay. 
While he's doing it, I push the cable of the projector to touch her foot. The electrical cable was on her foot now, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. And he tests and everything goes berserk, you know? <laughs> and he said, no, 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 something is, is totally wrong. I don't know what you're doing. Uh, I said, I'm not doing anything. You do it again. Then he looks, ah, I know, you tricked me. You put, she's has her foot on the cable. Of course, this happens. So to not look, uh, I tell you, in Egypt, we treat people, we take the electrical cable, round, uh, put it around the neck of the person until he heals. <laughs> <laughs> You'll kill her that way. I said, no, no. Yeah. Let's see. I mean, I'll put the cable around her neck and you diagnose and tell me uh, how bad she becomes. And then I started when giving him the cable, I took the pen and put a certain number of strokes on the cable. A number of strokes that would channel energy of sacred power spots through the cable. And then I gave him the cable, put it around her neck, and she was better than ever before. You know, everything was perfect. <laughs> I told him, you, "It's great." You see, you, you see, this is how we heal in Egypt. We bring people; they stand in the line. I have my electrical cable around everybody's neck, and then go home. Everybody's okay. So you know, so, so he got really perplexed. Then I told him, I took the cable, and then I told him, you know why? Now I'm telling you an important thing. When we do any treatment or any diagnosis, you're always looking at the person, and you're not looking at the person as part of the earth. Because when you're speaking, when you're doing homeopathy, when you're doing acupuncture, you're speaking about energy lines. Energy lines are constantly interacting with the earth. Yes. So when I told and the sun and the moon, (laughs) yeah, I told when I pushed you in one direction, I changed the angle of the lady with the uh, with the earth with the north south. I got an angle. When I took her to the other direction, I changed that angle again. So every time I changed the angle with the earth coordinates, the earth plays in with us because we are part of the earth, and you cannot do acupuncture or do any type of energy treatment without taking the earth into consideration. You know, and so there's something I want to share with you in that. And this came to me, my soul taught me this. I was, you know, I, I would go to key places. I typically have favorite places to do Tai Chi and Qigong and, and things like that. And, um, I spent 25 years on airplanes traveling all over the world and, and, uh, you know, I'd be in a different hotel room, you know, every night or every other night or whatever, you probably can understand that moving constantly around the world teaching. And I would notice that I would have a very hard time some days getting my body to feel energetically balanced. And my soul said, start turning slowly to your right. Yeah. And all of a sudden Everything lined up, like all my chakra centers lined up, and I could feel the flow of chi going right through my crown into the earth and and out into my energy field. And so I started teaching my students, before you do Tai Chi or meditation, just stand very still, get a sense of the alignment of your body, and as you start turning, pay attention to when everything feels energetically aligned, and that's the best place 
position to be in for doing meditation, Tai Chi, or any of the healing movement practices. And so it's great to hear you say that because now I'm getting validation for the fact that it's the relationship with the earth. I figured at the time, I thought it might be more the relationship of our position on earth relative to the sun and the moon because they're constantly changing. No, remember the sacred power spots all over the earth are through, you know, similar shapes resonate with each other. So sacred, the vortices of sacred power spots are in resonance with the chakras in your body that are also vortices. And so the chakras of your body have this need and this constant uh, connection with the earth and with higher dimensions too of the earth because the earth has all the higher dimensions. So your body is a part of the earth. You you are not living on the earth. No. Yes. You are living inside it because remember the Atmosphere. atmosphere Part of the earth, so you're yes. little bacteria living in the earth. So uh, we are in a sad situation that you think that you can destroy the earth and continue living. Yes, you, you know this is a very sad situation. I tell the people uh, so that they understand how they're dependent on the earth. I tell them, look, when you wake up in the morning. And then you want to have breakfast. Now, the easiest way would be what gives me energy. The sun is what replenishes my energy. I go open my mouth in the balcony towards the sun, but I'm still hungry. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I didn't get any any breakfast, you know. So then I ask myself, what's wrong? It seems I'm missing an organ. I'm missing an organ that can really take the sun's energy and feed me with it. I don't have that organ. Then I look around me and I find the plant actually has the organ that takes the sun's energy, turns it into chemicals. So I go and eat the plant. So the plant is actually an external organ of my body. Yes. And that's why the the organs. Yeah. And that's why the solar plexus is called the solar sun plexus because it's converting sunlight into life force energy within you. Yes. So if you knew that your physical body is here, but one of your organs, like as if your liver or your heart or something was out there, you will actually take care of it. No no question. And Steiner did a great job of showing how the Earth's organs, like the lungs and the circulatory system, were all basically aspects of the Earth. So he would say, okay, your stomach is the topsoil. The topsoil has two layers of its digestive process. You're the... Uh, ocean and the waterways are the circulatory system. The trees and the plants and the atmosphere are the Earth's lungs. And I think we've really be, part of the problem with all the modern science is that it it denies the deeper truths that were in a lot of the ancient wisdom. Is and just like they say, myths are lies. They don't realize myths are some of the most important means of 
understanding things that the left brain can't really understand. It would be like saying all poetry is a lie. And I think part of what we're going to have to go through to balance and heal before we destroy our own chance of surviving in the physical reality is that we have to really start embracing the ancient wisdom because people like you are demonstrating beyond a shadow of a doubt that it can balance energies and create solutions. Whereas the people, uh, you know, you were working with in Sweden or Switzerland with the uh, elect- telecoms communications towers, none of their left brain technologies could solve it, but you used a right brain technology that's connected to the earth to resolve the issue. So I, I have a feeling, you know, the question is how far down the rabbit hole of destruction do we have to go before we start coming to the awareness that we are the earth and that what we see outside of us is actually as much of us as everything we think of as inside of us. Therefore, we must love and care for the whole of ourselves before we um, <laughs> lose the opportunity at this level. You know, the, in ancient times, the ancient Egyptians, for example, when they made any product, be it the building or, or, or any product they used, one of the most important things was to connect it with the forces of nature. First of all, yes. they connected to the power spots. They connected to power spots not only on the earth, but they connected to power spots in the sky. So by connecting every object, every ritual, everything they did with uh, the multidimensional spiritual energy, of course, the, their technology uh, was important because if you didn't connect your product to the life force, the, the netters or, or the forces of nature, your friends out there, wouldn't come to you. And you needed, for every activity you did, you needed the help of those invisible forces of nature to play part in order that you reach the level of excellence. And yes, so they incorporated the life force in everything that they made. Just like, you know, when you look how a bird builds its nest. It builds its nest uh, in, in one place and the other side of the earth, a similar bird will build the nest the same way exactly. And if you measure the nest, you will find that the nest has this uh, life force energy inside it. And the nest itself has a sort of a like a sacred power spot that replenishes the, the, the life of uh, the chicks or the bird when it comes back into it. So if yes. uh, the uh, bird knows how to build its home to become a cradle of life force and the human being builds his home chasing away the life force. Yes, it's very sad. It, it's sad. It's very sad. Uh, what we reached, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know where it's leading to, but I always say, you know, uh, we are speaking all the time about uh, there's a golden age coming, you know, the, everybody said that the energy in the universe is going towards uh, a golden age and all that. Yeah. Now remember, if out there in the sky, 
or in the universe, there's a golden quality of energy, it doesn't mean that it's going to come down and knock at your door. Right. You got to invite it in for God's yeah, sake. Otherwise, otherwise, it will never come to you, you know? So, yeah. We should understand. Yeah. yeah. Golden age means you make your own golden age. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank you so much. You know, are you familiar with the Hindu Muslim spiritual teacher Kabir? A bit, yes. Not, not very much, but a bit. Well, Kabir has a beautiful line in one of his poems. He says, God is like a trumpet yeah. waiting patiently on the shelf yeah. for you to blow him. Yeah. And what is he saying? He's saying, look, God's always there, but it's up to you to yeah. engage. You have to pick the trumpet up and you have to choose to make music. But it's as though all this corporate religion and scientific materialism has left the trumpet on the shelf as though it's some sort of an artifact or relic that's no longer needed. And so personally, I think what's happening is we're, be, we're actually entering a stage of human maturation where we have to become adults and realize we must take responsibility for our actions. The earth can no longer carry the karma for our ignorance, our foolishness, and our constant pursuit of money and power and things that don't create harmony. And ultimately, if we do what we all need to do, which is come back into harmony and worship and respect and love for each other and the planet, then the golden age emerges because we've blown the trumpet together. But if we keep on playing these games of, you know, the military industrial complex, corporate domination, technology controlling and using people, using phones to spy on people and all this dark energy stuff. Well, you know, the, the, let's just face it. You have to experience the results of your own creations or you can't truly grow spiritually. And I think that we just have to decide what, how we want to live now. We, we got to get past racism. We got to get past religious differences. And we've got to get past living for money all the time instead of living to really live and love and realize that we all need each other and that the planet needs us and we need the planet and, and live as a family and live in a state of reverence for life. Or we are going to get into some really, really tough situations coming along here. You know, we should, let's look at it that way. How come we have, we are supposed to be the most intelligent species on this earth? We, we think we are even the most intelligent in the universe. But let's look at it that way. The earth, if we look at the electromagnetic energy in the earth itself, it is actually part of life force. It is actually nourishing to your life force. Now, yes. We come, and instead of taking it as a carrier of life force, imagine if we took it the way it is in the earth, carrying life force, and we built an age of information based on it, not like ours. The whole sky would be radiating with life force. But what yes. yes, but what do we do? We take the natural things from the earth and we don't know that those natural things have a vitality, an emotional, a mental and a spiritual level. We don't know that we can actually 
corrupt those levels when we enter into resonance with them with our own greed. So we, by the time we bring out electromagnetic radiation for our personal use, we end up with dead energy. It doesn't have any uh, of the life attributes that it had when it was part of the Earth. Plus, we've imbued it with so many negative mental and emotional things that come from our own greed that yes. end up with an electricity that is harmful to life. Yes, we I... are uh, speaking about electromagnetic radiation uh, that could cause global life extinction when the same electromagnetic radiation managed by the Earth and not by human mind is actually the giver of life force. Yes, and wouldn't it be amazing if our whole global, worldwide internet communication systems, phone systems, were all working on the principles of biogeometry, we actually could turn this planet into the spiritual equivalent of a star. Yes, that, that would be... You see, uh, that is why Bajramt is here. It is here as a last resort that we should embrace. Uh, and I hope that people listen. Oh, I'm sure people listening to this are listening. The people that listen to my podcast are far more intelligent than the average people out there. The, yeah. You know, my podcasts are deep and meant to chase the truth. In fact, the most common comment about my podcast I hear from people is it's the deepest podcast I've ever heard in my life and I love it. (laughs) Look, Paul, if you, uh, the people listening to your podcast, they tell them that get an electrical vehicle because if you have an electrical car, the electrical car is good for the environment. Right. Now you sit in a cocoon over a stack of batteries and you don't know that it's frying you. You're, it's the first thing that electricity does, and the worst aspect is not just on the physical level; it's on the emotional level. It disturbs it completely. Now, yeah, you go in an electrical bag, and you think that uh, it's healthy for the environment. Ask most people who are in those electrical vehicles today. They are going to have headaches. They are going to have stomach problems. They are going to have cancer. They are going to have so many health problems. Now, imagine with biogeometry, with very simple means, I could install a few things, transform this electrical vehicle into a healing cocoon. We got to get you in um, Tesla. We got to get you in uh, what's his name? The guy that makes Tesla cars, uh, uh, Elon Musk. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta. We gotta hook you up with Elon Musk because he's smart enough to understand the importance of what you're talking I about. Know, I don't I think it would... how smart he is, and uh, if he he has to be, uh, you know, he's a genius in his own field. But yeah, uh, it's not being smart that you need. Uh, you need to sort of believe wisdom. Uh, yeah, you need a certain wisdom to believe in something beyond you you need to know that if you do some changes to that vehicle uh you'll be actually not only putting spirituality through the back door but you'll be actually uh doing something 
for the good of humanity when uh, you think you're saving the environment with electrical cars, but in reality, you're killing the occupants. Well, you know, the thing is, in my way of relating spiritually, I believe everybody's doing the best they can with the upbringing they have, the education they have, and the trauma they're trying to heal from. And I, I really think that if you put it out from your heart to great spirit to bring you to the right people, and I'll do it with you, that the universe will move you into contact with people that that are are like Elon Musk and others. I really feel that we're at a tipping point. And if anything, uh, you know, the, the letter may never make it to Elon Musk's desk if you write him an email or a letter because there's too many filters. But if you let God deliver it, I, I really believe it'll get there. And I think, uh, Dr. Kareem, I really think you're, you're, you came to this planet to develop this technology for a reason and at this time for a reason, don't you? I think so. And But you know what? It needs two hands to clap. So yes, God, God provides hand. one, you provide the other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I know, you, you see, there, there must be somewhere, someplace, uh, influential people that care for the good of humanity that will enable biogeometry to be used for the good of humanity. Well, I'm going to tell you what. Lifetime or after my lifetime. Yes, and and I'm going to do you a favor, uh, all of us a favor. I am going to have all my friends that have podcasts, many of which are much bigger than mine, listen to the podcast. And if I connect you to these people by email, would you be willing to do some podcasts with some of my friends that have listenerships of one to four million people? Well, look, actually, now Dorea is nudging me and I'm nudging her. Because today I told her, uh, don't get me any podcasts for three months. Well, that's all right. Three months is just a flash in the pan. Yeah, but, you know, you know my, I have to finish my book. Yeah, I'm waiting for your book. Yeah. Then, <laughs> Hurry up. <laughs> my, my new book, The Physics of Quality. Has yes, I'm I'm excited. And uh, besides that, I'm I'll, launching. I'll, I'll, I'll here she is. No, no, there's now Dorea comes into play. Come I, I didn't jump in because I think like you said, uh, you know, I spoke to Jason who, who put us in contact and he was saying, I'm so excited to hear this because I know how deep they're going to be going. And when I saw you both kind of in the flow, I, I didn't want to jump in and add anything. And I think that's where, you know, if, if there's uh, similar kinds of podcasts or interviews or things where we can go deeper, this is always great to share the knowledge and it's great to have extra time as well. After three months. After three months. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, no, no. I, yeah, it's no problem. Uh, Doria, I will connect you to these people and I will send them an introductory letter and I will ask them to please listen to my podcast. And all of you listening, I encourage you to go to the Biogeometry website. We'll share that at the end and buy any of those technologies you can afford and test it. You guys know I do not get behind anything that I don't know for sure is high quality and matches my values. I would rather starve to death and lie and mislead people. So 
uh, you test biogeometry yourself and just try like the food charging plate or the charging plate and it it'll it'll you don't there's no sales needed it's obvious it works and so um thank you doria for that i will connect you we'll 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 get this rolling sometimes magic happens with just the intention to share love and i think that's what's going on you know i'm now i'm for the next three months i'm uh, let's say putting out uh a complete furniture collection that has all the biogeometry attributes one of those things is a very interesting one i've developed a cube that you put around the bed you put your bed in this cube and it's four posts like like that it's a very simple cube but yeah. it is designed in such a way that it has uh, an eight-fold virtual rotation of, of virtual eight cubes rotating all the time inside it. And when you put your bed inside this cube, it does wonders. It really regenerates the whole body during the eight hours of sleep. Now, this cube can be used, uh, uh, l- l- let's say, to do uh, as a pergola on the terrace where you can sit under it. Uh, it can be used in restaurants or on the porch. But the most important use for it is around your bed. And the, I'm so excited getting this out uh, on the market with other things and all that. That's why I'm saying I need three months uh, where I can concentrate on that and finish the book. And maybe I have one or two architecture projects in hand. And then uh, we can go full go doing other things. And yeah, well, do, do what you need to do, and let me know when you have the book done and the cube done, and we can have a conversation and and help people be aware of it. Because I'd love to support you well, any way I can. Well, thank you for your support. I mean, uh, you know, one person has to do something. Like I said, one hand does not clap. So. I'm doing the research and all such things. There are many other things that I cannot do, you, you know, and uh, people like you can do so many things that I cannot do. So uh, hand in hand, well, together, I, we can walk into the future. Yes, well, absolutely. And you're sitting right next to a genius of your own offspring right there. And I know she's here in the world to uh, help you do a lot of things. So because thank God for that. important that... that uh, that I have somebody uh, who is doing all the research with me uh, to take it along uh, for further generations, you know. And it's it's because my siblings are also working with us, so we're all... um... Yeah, I have all the children. Uh, My wife uh, is sort of the big boss. Yeah, mine... uh, (laughs) Yours too. uh, I I, I have two wives, Kareem, and I have two big bosses. So fortunately, they're in total harmony. But I always tell people a chief's power is divided by the number of women in his tent. So So I have my wife and then my children here who really... I'm, I'm trying to put the whole thing together in such a way that I can give it to them and give them something that is really effective and they can carry it to the future with all the help of people like you uh, 
because uh, things get along when there's a group of genuine friends who yeah. walk along the path together. Yes. Well, uh, let's take a short break because I got to use the toilet and then we'll work through as many of these questions as we can uh, with the time that we have left. But I'll tell you what, it's been absolutely fascinating and I'm so glad that we are having this interview and I'm promising you there's, you're probably going to get a lot of people contacting you <laughs> after this interview. Like, well, uh, Dorea will take care of all that in the next. Yeah, she's going to be she, she's going to be typing at the speed of light with all the email. Yeah. I can guarantee you. So, Doctor Kareem, it's been absolutely fascinating. Uh, we've just returned from a short break, and um, I think everything you're saying is absolutely beautiful. I mean, beautiful, and I I feel blessed to have had the opportunity to connect to you and your daughter, and I also feel blessed to have had the opportunity to experience biogeometry myself and working with clients that have used biogeometry and getting such amazing feedback. It's just reinforced what I know in my own heart to be true, which is what led me to want to share biogeometry on the podcast and share you. And it's so beautiful to talk to somebody that really understands the depth of their own process and what they're offering to the world such that they can answer any questions. And it kind of reminds me when I was a kid, my mother was a Christian before she became a yogi and I could never get any of my questions answered. And it left me feeling very insecure and very afraid. But when I joined the Self-Realization Fellowship with my mother, the monks could answer any question I gave them and they answered it with love and honesty. And I felt so safe. And so many times when I question people on various things. They they skirt the issue or they hide behind belief systems or whatever. And it's just a, a, such a blessing to have you be able to really ground your own technology in deep wisdom that honestly, I think for anyone listening is, even though there's a lot of spiritual elements to it, it also is beautifully logical. I mean, how logical is it that we are the environment? We are earth water, fire, air, and space. And if you distort the relationships in the earth, water, fire, air, and space in your environment, naturally, you're going to distort yourself. I mean, I don't think you need to be really smart to figure that out. But unfortunately, what's really lacking in the world today is common sense. But I think you've delivered so much grounded common sense that anybody listening to that, this discussion can, can put two and two together in their head and say, okay, there's something really going on here. So if what I'd like to do for the listeners is if maybe you or Doria could share a few cases of how biogeometry worked to help people in a couple of different environments so we can see it from different perspectives. Like you talked about balancing the earth energy around the cell towers. How about a couple of examples maybe of health or of home applications or things like you said, electrical cars. And 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 it's interesting that you mentioned that because we're right now getting ready to switch to solar. And, and I'm going to ask you uh, as a consultant after the show's over, if there's something that maybe you can suggest that we do for uh, balancing the energy around the battery systems and the solar panels, uh, because I have a feeling that might be important. And maybe that's one of the examples that you can give if you have something for that application. Um, well, I'll, I'll try to give some examples that are related to things I've been hearing in the conversation. 
Lovely, lovely. Thank you for joining us. I really love your energy and your presence. I think that you're a beautiful angel. So let's hear you flap those wings, honey. No, thank you. Well, I'm very happy to be here. So I'll start with the solar. Um, let's start with the, the the solar. So we definitely, in again, going back to, to something that you spoke about, the example that my father was giving with the cable, how he was pushing that and that kept changing um, the readings. Uh, and so he directed, he said with the specific number qualities, directed that sacred power spot energy into the cable. Well, we actually have that in the form of what we call electrical attachments that are these plastic cables that we add on wires with specific number and angle qualities to do that in the um, in the electrical system of your home. So what we actually try to do is we put that in, um, we, we focus on balancing the home's electric panel so that the home's entire electrical system is then harmonized and anything you plug in. That's great. So, so that's the goal of, of the attachments. And then uh, you know, going a bit further as well into what you were speaking about, you were speaking um, about the First Nations and how when they were placed in square structures, they asked to go back to the teepee structure. And one of the big things that we've been doing is lately we've been collaborating with the Autistic Society in Egypt in order to design classrooms for children with autism. Um, awesome. And the... The thing about that is, so the first thing we looked at is, well, to find out what we're supposed to do, let's see what the current classroom shapes are already doing. And surprisingly, we found, well, not surprisingly, but um, the the square and rectangle classrooms that we are placing um, children who are on the spectrum in is actually adding more stress on the brain. Now, the thing is, uh, it's not just I'm 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 saying this because it came up with the autistic society, but we found that this classroom shape is actually causing stress on everybody's brain. Yes, and so we've started designing in our office. We have um, what's they're a little bit slow in Egypt in, in in the government and getting things up and running. So we said, well, we need to design our own classroom for testing. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll send you a photo of that because it's, it's also, you, you'll see the resonance with the teepee design as well. And that's a structure that we've set up in our, in our office. And we actually have, um, it's, it's open to everybody. And, um, and we have a lot of sessions for autistic children being run there so we can do the testing on this classroom shape. And part of this, so, so going a bit more now into tangible kind of things that your listeners can um, put their hands on because you, you brought this up. One of the reasons that we actually started working with the Autistic Society is um, based on a, it was either a master's or a PhD thesis, I believe a PhD thesis in biogeometry. And the goal of this thesis was looking at, um, it was a design student who was designing uh, types of spas and areas for people to go to have addiction or depression. And then she had used certain biogeometry shapes that we call biosignatures in designing um, the inner kind of an inner um, design mold or strip that would go around the ceiling and to test this. And this actually has two implications here. So then when she was working on the thesis, of course, um, my, my father doesn't, uh, or our company, all of us, none of us are the, there's always um, a supervising professor who is not from Biogeometry. My father is a professor, but he's not the main supervising professor, just so there's no conflict of interest. 
And, you know, when this design student came and wanted to, uh, you know, present her thesis. So again, this is where, you know, we came in and, and my father was saying, well, you need to go and test this with the medical department. So of course the medical department called him and they said, stop sending us your design students <laughs> or your right, yeah. students. Um, and his answer was very good. You know, if, if they stop producing results, then we will stop sending them. And it goes yes. back to the implications of the built environment. And this goes back to life force and everything you've been talking about. What are the implications of actually designing products with life force? If you look at day to day, what people mostly feel is that the, the world, this, I don't know if we want to call it consumerism or, or whatever we want to call it, interacting with materialism, it, materialism, <laughs> consumerism is depleting. Yes. And overwhelming. But this is where if we had products designed with life force, it, it with the life force within the, then the interaction of ev- with every product wouldn't allow that to happen where we would no longer have this idea that, you know, you're, 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 we like to kind of go about our daily life and give 15 minutes to meditation and go back to the daily life and think that this is a way to connect. But if we're going back to the ancient paradigm, then, the idea is to be connected in every single activity. And so I'm going back to the thesis now to, to like we said, put something so people that can, can touch upon. So then um, with the medical department, they actually tested this on uh, serotonin levels of depressed mice in comparison with the two most common drugs they use on, on the market. And they found that the biosignatures was basically um, better than, than two of the combinations and just as good as the best combination. And this is with that strip that was designed to be inside of a space. They accidentally placed it outside of the space. So we believe the results would have been even better. Yes. And so going back now, when we talk about tangible evidence and and, and kind of mental and cognitive performance, well, there with, with serotonin being an indication that we've shown that we can now... Um, work on reharmonizing the neurotransmitter levels. And that of course has implications, whether if it's your mood or your concentration or your sleep going back yes. as well, we've had um, testing with Wi-Fi routers, depleting melatonin levels in mice and by geometry solutions, having a protective role against that. So that's fantastic. So overall, and this is where we're we're now seeing overall where, you know, we're, we're coming in and we're seeing that it is possible to, when we talk about, and I think this is where my father was coming in, when we're saying that we need to kind of stand on our own feet, all of us together as an environmental harmonization solution, it's not because we cannot meet the standards of, um, if we, want, if we want to call it the med- the current medical standards or prove it, we can. But we want to make sure that every solution out there isn't just stopping at meeting those standards. We need to have our own standards that are, I'm not going to say much higher, but they are much more uh, realistic to what the human being actually is. Yes. Holistic. Holistic. Holistic is, is, is a good terminology. And, um, and, you know, another thing that comes to mind, you were talking about both of you about life force and water. And one of the earliest experiments we did with water was actually um, 
growing sweet potatoes with water from the Red Sea. So if you tried to grow sweet potatoes, the the Red Sea has some of the highest salt. Yes, some of the highest. It has the highest or one of the highest salinity contents in the world. Of course, not the highest. The highest would be the Dead Sea. Um, then, if you tried to grow a sweet potato out of that water, it would just shrivel up. It would it would have more of a dehydrating effect than a yes. vital life force giving effect. But then we started uh, placing that water in um, a shape very similar to the to the charging shape we have. And right. the path that the water would travel to the sweet potatoes was calculated, and we actually grew the sweet potatoes using the salt water from the Red Sea much better than using regular water. Wow, that's beautiful. And so there's yeah, so that when you to when we keep talking about qualitative versus quantitative, that's what that means. That's beautiful. And and there there's something that's coming up in my mind I want to share. Um there's a really good book called Science in Agriculture by Arden Anderson D.O. PhD. He's a medical doctor who's also got a PhD in soil science. And in his book, he shares very amazing Russian research on the microorganisms in the soil. And what he showed, what the Russians showed, was that the microorganisms are actually restructuring the soil into what's classically called the crumb structure. And the Russians were able to determine that the microorganisms are taking normally dead matter and through the act of composting that they reshape the, the little granules of soil using humus, dead organic matter, into what turns out to be antenna systems that are drawing cosmic energy into the soil to enliven it. Mm-hmm. The point I'm making is the soil microorganisms are practicing biogeometry and their work enhances the life force energy in the soil and therefore on the entire planet. But here we are in a position where modern science has poisoned the entire planet, planet with weed killing chemicals, herbicide, pesticides, fungicides, rodenticides, Roundup, wiping the microorganisms out. So Really, I'm bringing this up to say that the concepts that you're sharing in biogeometry seem to me to be already at work in nature. And that if we just paid more attention to the wisdom beneath our feet and all around us, instead of trying to outsmart nature and control it like we're some sort of a dominating force that can live without it, we might all move in the right direction. No, and, and and I completely agree, and and we we saw this. I mean, like you, we saw this, and we did three years of um, research at a parasite center in um, in Holland, and uh-huh. one of the interesting things wasn't. I mean, it it there was of course a lot of interesting things, but it was actually that after working for so long, there were two research lots that we couldn't actually infect the plants in anymore. Because we had placed so much of that centering energy quality that they were kind of overriding. They were going back to that natural balance. If you know, you, you use the words truth, beauty, love in that triangle. And yeah. they were there and we couldn't once they once we got to that level, there was no going back. Amen. 
And why bother? Why bother? Exactly. But they were, they said we ruined the, the, the lab kind of for them because that's their research. <laughs> that's cute. But you know, when you think about this as a sort of a, a, a sort of a angular expression of this, when we were talking about the uh, damaging effects of square buildings and, and, and how that decreases the life force energy, um, it's, it's really um, amazing that, A, with biogeometry, we can make changes in the life force energy, but it's also amazing that Mother Earth has this technology in her, as you know, this conversation's really been hinging a lot around the fact that, as your father mentioned, we're using natural energies of the Earth. We're not creating an artificial influence. We're actually working with the shall we say that the the consciousness and the technology of the planet itself so i think any technology that enhances life force energy but also enhances the harmony of the earth and the environment around us is really really a very very important technology and the beauty of the biogeometry technologies that i've seen is they're a they're very simple b none of them plug into the wall that i've ever seen they're all, they're all really like super super safe clean technologies yeah and i think that's that's been very important for us because um i mean going well obviously the implications of the centering effect is that we go beyond polarity and and it's it's possibly the only one of the only solutions or, that i can see out there that move beyond energy medicine in terms of moving um no longer being stuck within the realms of polarity. This is important because very few people understand that when we talk about that centering quality, your your body may be polarized, but the laws that run your your body come from a place that goes beyond polarity. And and you were speaking from that in you were speaking about that in the beginning. But what happens when you're able to access that is now you can bring in technology that is 100% clean, that is 100% side effect free, you could do it with a device that plugs into the wall. But why would you when you have the it's its shape has become a form of free energy within the realm of biogeometry. It's and of course, we see it in ancient Egypt. But the difference is now that when we go back and we even look at if we look at structures of, of ancient Egypt, a lot of people understand that shape can be used to amplify energy. Right. We see the pyramid shape everywhere, but yes. very few people have actually understand what is it that the ancient Egyptians were trying to amplify. And the reason that we're saying this is because 99% of pyramid shapes are actually producing a harmful effect in people's homes because they are amplifying energy without being aware of what it is that they are amplifying. Yes, I understand that principle very much. Yes, that's a very, very good point. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I mean, you also brought it up in the context when you were saying with the Qigong, how you ask people to rotate uh, themselves yes. and find that orientation where their chakras are the most aligned. This is actually uh, another aspect of biogeometry. We're, again, going back to the ancient Egyptians. We say, okay, so you're using the pyramid shape as an amplifier without understanding what it is that you're amplifying. Same thing with different types of practices that use the body to open up the body to the environment, but they're not aware of the environment that they're opening up the body in. So actually that type of orientation provides a protective effect for the body while you place it in positions that are going to be 
opening up that energy exchange with the environment even more. Yes. Um, I'm just writing a note here. There's, uh, there's two things I realized where I lost my train of thought earlier and it's back now. So I have two questions I want to post to you. One was a comment. We were talking, I was talking about how the Indians talk about how the square buildings were devitalizing them. Mm -hmm. And then one of the things I wanted to say is that food processing is a devitalizing technology as it's used tradition. I mean, uh, you know, industrial, you know, most only 4% of the food eaten worldwide is organic. And we have a tremendous amount of the food being eaten that's highly processed, which is also devitalizing and doing things like, you know, a lot of cutting, chopping, dehydrating, adding chemicals. So we're actually devitalizing our food in the same way we're devitalizing our environment by using technologies and amplifying negative energies unconsciously. So it seems like we not only need to get back to the principles of the earth and our environmental design of technologies and, and cities and, and buildings, but we also have to be aware that these principles are affecting us through food because we're actually using a linear process, which destroys the holistic interconnection of the food. And therefore we're damaging the environment because food is the environment. And if we, stick to organic principles and biodynamic farming principles, we're really sticking to the principles of biogeometry, aren't we? Yes, exactly. I mean, we do that. I mean, it's, it's um, of course, with biodynamic farming, you have different types of rituals and different ways also of approaching the land where it, it in a way begins to also take care of itself, where it doesn't come in and it needs, it doesn't need as much human maintenance, so to say. You come in and you allow yes. the laws of nature to work. And, you know, it's, we talk a lot when we talk about, I know one of the other things that you, you spoke about was kind of the energy of time, the energy of time and um, the energy of time in the left brain and the energy of time in, in, in the right brain. And so when we talk about this in biogeometry, we talk about it in terms of, we talk about linear time and then we talk about the right brain would be stack time, but we talk about a time that is in between both worlds, and we call this the cyclical time. And we say that it is those who work with the land who need to be in sync with what we call the cyclical time, because the cyclical time has the rituals of the seasons of day and night that allow us when we're in tune with them to be working within those laws and produce the, the food and the agriculture and work in a way that has that thankfulness and appreciate um, appreciating the what we have what mother earth is giving us to create or to end up with food that has life force so you know organic is, is one of the ways to start but but sometimes it's it's not enough where even if you think about things such as um organic clothing so or even organic clothing we have to go back and look at how it's made the emotional mental level of the people who make it is there a type of going back and understanding an industry and working with the laws of energy. And this is where we come back and we say in every single thing, how can we connect the left brain activity to the right brain? Yes, I think that's critical. And I think, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that there's such a rise now in awareness of and participation in shamanic traditions, because there's also as I'm sure you're probably aware, quite a rise in the use of psychedelic medicines. Are you familiar with that? Yes. 
And um, and you know, I'm I'm a medicine man and spirit guide, so I'm I'm I've conducted hundreds of healing ceremonies with plant medicines and have a lot of experience with them. But the reason I bring that up is because those those are natural technologies that integrate the left and right brain hemispheres. So it's as though Mother Earth is reaching out to us through the unconscious and inspiring those of us that are awake enough to listen to the call, to begin to look at the ancient wisdom and to use the plant medicines for accelerated spiritual development if they're used spiritually and integrate. And I think when a person has, because you, you can have an experience on plant medicines, it's almost identical to a near-death experience where you come into contact with the wholeness of yourself and to such deep spiritual realizations that it can shift your life forever, which means it shifts the life of every soul you ever touch. So I think that there's a lot of attempts by Mother Nature to give us opportunities to heal, and I believe this conversation's one of them. Oh, and, and, and I know we, we both ag agree with this, and one of the things you know you, you were bringing up as well is you know, if, if we throw it out there and, and the intention is there um, that things will happen. And we know we this has been our our whole life in in terms of even the people that we're meeting and, and the people that we're speaking to. Uh, this has been the case. And you know, I I look at the world when I'm coming in now to buy geometry and teaching and, and working on the research. And I look at the world that kind of when my father started this. Um, you know, we're, we're talking early fifties. <laughs> And the, the types of the, the amount of people who are now open to understanding this is, um, is a profound shift. Yes. I think, you know, I have three kids. One of them's 40. Um, my second one is four and my third one is one. And I know without a long discussion, but through spiritual means and, and me connecting to their souls, they both told me they came in now specifically to do world work. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of children coming into the earth plane right now as healers and as people that are going to bring in things like biogeometry and other technologies that may be coming from on high, you know, spiritual sources that are going to give us an opportunity to um, create more balance so that we don't destroy nature and ourselves. So I, I think, I think, you know, if we, if we give ourselves the opportunity to say, well, what's behind it all is, is God, if you will, not, mm -hmm. not a religious God that has expectations of you, but we'll just call it the Tao source and the intelligence of source is is that which makes universes, galaxies, and, and multiple dimensional realities. And anybody can lay on their back and look at the sky at night and say, whatever's doing this is far beyond the level of intelligence that we can conjure up as little human beings, but we can invite it to work through us. So I think my point is, is that one of the things I try to do to inspire people is during this kind of kind of scary time we're going through right now with all the manipulation of the public and and covid and manipulation and, and control of people and everything else is that whatever we're going through is something that is an expression of the whole universe and if we listen to the music of the universe which is right in your own heart and i believe the heart is a biogeometry technology don't you yes of course 
right? It's right inside of us. And uh, Steiner spoke at length of the heart, not as a pump, and went into great explanations, which I won't sidetrack us with. But I think, as Steiner said, we're all creating technologies outside of us that we have more advanced technologies within us. And I think that if we all really ask the question about the issues of the earth, what would love do now? And we act honestly from that perspective, like what would love do knowing that we're destroying the oceans? What would love do knowing we're destroying the planet? What would love do know that we're segregating each other and we're going back to lower levels of consciousness and and acting out racism? Love would not do the things that are being done. And I think if all of us just say, what do we want to create? Do we want to create more money and more pain? Or do we want to create more freedom and more love and connection? And if we act from that place of what's best for everybody, not just what's best for me. And when I say everybody, I don't just mean people. I mean all the beings that support us and share life and have just as much right to life as we do then I, I think this is going to be a great lesson in what happens when the ego uh, gets a little uh, too full of itself. And we'll, it'll be a memory that we'll have that'll help the rest of our progeny realize there's danger in getting too full of yourself. One of the questions I had that I would love if you guys could elaborate on a little bit, because so far the discussion of biogeometry has a lot of parallels with feng shui. Could you please distinguish how biogeometry differs from feng shui just so that the listeners can see a clear demarcation? Okay. I'll tell you that because we're in architectural domain now. So, Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah. So uh, feng shui and also uh, Indian vastu, uh, they, uh-huh. they are ancient traditions ancient building traditions, and you will find ancient building traditions uh, with the aborigines also, uh, like uh, and the Indians, like the teepees and things like that. So there are ancient building traditions that go back to ancient wisdom uh, that goes back to a very sort of uh, very ancient sciences. Now, uh, as today, they are traditions. Traditions means they are linked to time and space, geographical space, and things like that. So if if you take, for example, uh, Feng Shui, and you're looking at the compass orientation, you would actually, in Feng Shui, uh, orient yourself uh, toward the south and protect yourself uh, from the north. If you go to Vasto, which is a very similar thing, you do the opposite uh, by actually uh, opening up to the north because Vasto in India, it's, it's much warmer down there. So opening up to the north. So there's right. some geographical things to it. But in any case, yes, uh, our environmental problems come from modern technology. And uh, at the time of Vasto and Feng Shui, there was no modern technology as we have it today. We didn't have the dangers of electromagnetic radiation, of chemical pollution, of all those things. So uh, they do not address those things. Now, biogeometry 
is not uh, a tradition. It's a science of quality. It's a physics of quality yes. that you can actually uh, apply to understand all alternative sciences. It's a physics that you can apply it. You can apply it to decipher uh, secrets of ancient civilizations. So it's more right. uh, a scientific things, and you can apply it actually to uh, to uh, solve the problems of modern technology, like electricity and all those things. So this is modern technology. While it is something that has to do with our era, that has to take us to the future, because today we need the science that will save humanity from global life extinction. Yes, we do. And biogeometry has this possibility of saving us from global life extinction. So this is the difference uh, between it. We have, the, there is Feng Shui, the Chinese tradition, but you, you, ha- you also have here uh, in Egypt, we have, for example, Several traditions like Feng Shui, we have Islamic building traditions. They're very, very efficient when it comes to uh, cooling, ventilation, climatic things and all that. Then uh, you have uh, uh, like traditions of Adobe architecture like you have in Mexico and we have here in Egypt. You have uh, in the Greco-Roman period, you, you have traditions of building. So... Feng Shui is one of those building traditions, but Feng Shui is, uh, let, let's say, many of its energetic secrets have been kept alive and transmitted to us. So it has a certain, when you look at Feng Shui Vasto, it has a certain things. It, this, uh, it speaks about colors, it speaks about things. So it's a bit nearer, you, you know, it comes with so many deals nearer to the modern mind than some of the ancient traditions that have been lost or forgot. But it is not, by jumped, is a totally different thing. It's, it's a physics of quality uh, that can be applied in any field of life. I'll, I'll add one, one thing here because we have, I'm sure a lot of your listeners some might have a background in Feng Shui or Vastu. And we get a lot of students with this background. And what by geometry actually does give, or probably one of the reasons, because we were, my father never put pressure on us to go down the path of by geometry um, as a, I want to say the word career or. Uh, yeah. And the the reason that we actually did is, is having grown up in by geometry, we noticed that there's a, a big, um, psychological rift with a lot of people that we speak to where they feel like there's two camps um you know if you want to call one the esoteric one the the mainstream whatever two words we want to give to it yeah but we learn energy we learn to work with energy the same way that we learn any other language and right and when you learn to work with energy as a vibrational language then what ends up happening is while while there's separateness among among all of um, different aspects of energy, uh, I want to say worldviews 
or yes. applications, we, we are able to actually see them as one unity. And this becomes important because if somebody's working as a feng shui consultant, for example, they are working with a set of rules in order to try to produce a certain set of energy qualities without possibly truly understanding or being able to speak a vibrational language. But once they learn this vibrational language, they don't need to throw out what they know kind of out the door. They actually learn how to apply it where they're reproducing the qualitative effects. So for one example, we have you know one student who's a feng shui master, and she said that the difference that it's done is there used to be some situations where she would have to tell a client to move. But since learning by geometry, since learning the actual um, language of speaking, I'm going to say energy, speaking vibration, she's never had to do that anymore because she understands how to communicate with the space on that level and how to manipulate and get the effect for modern times. I'd like to That's beautiful. Here, that yes, please. When do. you uh, when you look at the biogeometry paradigm, it goes back all the way to the caveman, to the primitive man, and it's the same paradigm dealing with the sacred power spot that connects you to the earth and the sky, making it like part of your city planning, of your home planning and everything. So this link to this kind of energy, the spiritual aspect, is the core or the essence of architecture through history. And if we look today, for example, at the sacred power spots, if we look at it, it is one of the most important factors in the history of humanity. Look at how it has shaped not only architecture, it has shaped belief. Uh, around it, there was peace. Around it, there was wars. Around it, there was ritual. Around it, there was so much. I would say there is no single factor that had an impact on the history of humanity like sacred power spots. Right. It seems to me that biogeometry really is a metaphysics. And, you know, a meta theory, as you know, is a theory that can create a structure within which you can put any number of theories to organize them so that they become integrated and meaningful, such as integral theory by Ken Wilber. It's a meta theory which has a place for everything from fundamentalist Christianity to fundamentalist Islam to uh, advanced technological thinking. They all fit into the meta theory. Yes, I'll tell you a, a little story like that uh, so that we end up with a, a nice uh, little smile. Once I gave a lecture, uh, we were in clear water, and uh, at the end of my lecture, a person came to me and he said, Ibrahim, uh, it's fantastic. You have bridged uh, all the gaps in my spirituality. And I asked him, what are you? And he said, I'm a Jew and uh, very religious, but I still had gaps and you bridged them, so thank you. The other guy beside him said, 
I have the same thing with a slight difference. You bridge the gap between uh, in my spirituality, but I'm a Christian. But so thank you, Ibrahim, for doing that. Now the third guy comes to me, and he says, "I'm the same li- like those two. You bridge the gap uh, in my spirituality. Now I feel the whole thing is a hole with me." So I asked him, "Okay, well, what are you?" So he looked at me and said, "I'm an atheist." <laughs> so I looked. <laughs> Yeah, so you know what? I tapped his shoulder because he said, I mean, and I said, you're okay. So he said, how can you say okay when I tell you I'm an atheist? I told him because you have bridged all the gaps in your spirituality. So you're okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you're okay. You know, well, <laughs> when people tell me they're atheists, I quote Carl Jung, who said something must be real before it can be rejected. So that's worth meditating on. <laughs> yes. You know, to close out, because uh, I know it's late at night for you guys, and this has been fascinating, but for the listeners, before we say goodbye, could you please just give us a quick overview of some of the specific types of products that you guys have available through your website so people know what they could maybe invest money into for a specific need. Like I have the charging plate here, which is great. I put my um, herbal medicines and tinctures on it and things like that. And it's absolutely lovely. It it's just produces the most amazing, I would just call it a stabilizing energy. I don't know what else to call it, but I can tell the difference for sure. Um, so if if we're thinking of the average listener out there that might say, wow, I really want to try this these biogeometry technologies, what are some of the things that people could start with and and have applications uh, that might be useful to them? So we have two main, I would say the two main uh, products and that's the home kit. And the home kit is really, um, we spoke about or we touched upon regions in Switzerland where we went in for a complete electrosmog solution. And we call it a, the, the, the results, like we were saying, showed this, this complete uh, change in quality of life with seeing um, 60% of symptoms and people getting better. These were symptoms from difficulty um, in sleeping and concentration. The biggest one actually was emotional symptoms with people saying since the introduction of electrosmog, they were having issues with a will to live. They were having motivation issues. And yes. so that we've taken a lot of the shapes that were used within those regional solutions and placed them in what we call the home kit cube. And that comes in, so that's the main one that we have for the home. And it comes in with some of those attachments that we talked about for the panel. But then, And just so everyone listening knows, that's the cube that I was referring to. Yes. That I noticed immediately was producing a very interesting, very still calm energy back by my waterfall. And surprisingly, Jason told me that cube does something like a 4,000 square foot house. Is that correct? Yes. So um, we we used to have three cubes and then we recently with, with research and adding more shapes ended up uh, being able to produce the same effect with one cube. It's amazing too for the listeners that cube's only what, about two inches square? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's just a small little cube, but the the power on that thing is wild. And, and it's just like this biogeometry technology is mind blowing because you're looking at something that has no moving parts is very simple 
but definitely works. <laughs> and I'm like, whatever that thing is, because I hadn't seen it before. So it's, you know, Jason, Jason was kind of just checking to see if I would notice. And I, I mean, I'm literally, I took one step onto that patio and I looked at him. I said, what the hell did you do back here? Something's very different back here. And he smiled and he pointed to the ground and right next to the wall in front of the waterfall, I saw this beautiful little clear, almost looks like a plexiglass cube. And I said, what in the world is going on? That thing is powerful. So that was my first experience of your home improvement kit. Yeah. And I think placing it by the waterfall also sounds like a perfect location. Um, and it's it would probably be even amplifying those effects a bit more. Now, the important thing also that we always have with all of the products like the cube is we have uh, the clearing tray where we remind people to actually clear the energy of any biogeometry product on a daily basis. So we find that a lot of energy products out there forget about this part. And yes, so this really does, um, it's not clearing as in removing, you know, when we talk about the laws of energy, you can't really destroy energy, but it comes in and brings that centering quality because at the end of the day, what's impregnating it is our own environmental and emotional and mental energy. And so that's also an important um item that comes with the home kit. And then for the body, we have what we call the biosignatures pendant. And that has shapes related to the energy flow within um, all of the body's organs and bringing in BG3 into those. So that And BG3 is the environmental energy, correct? Yes. BG3 is that centering quality um, that we've been speaking about, that energy of the center, the one that you know goes beyond polarities and has the ability right. to balance the opposites. Basically, what you've done is you've brought power spots into people's homes is what biogeometry that's is really close. doing. And, and in their bodies. And in their bodies. <laughs> yeah, yes, that's what I mean. Like, you know, yeah. you've, t- you've basically made it so any of us for a, a small investment can have our own sacred power spot. And and one last also thing I'll add, I mean, we talked about the pendant and the home kit. One product I always recommend to people because it, it's, it's such an important one is actually what we call the L90 pendant. And the L90 pendant is a special angle um, that obviously has that centering quality, but produces a very strong effect on what we refer to as the emotional and mental levels. And this is really, we found it, it's going to be very important, um, you know, in this time with everything going on in the environment, but growing up, um, you know, you know, growing up, I got to explore in all of this world of, of, of energy work and energy medicine. And I would always go out and try different things. And we had Tuesday lectures here where every, we'd get, you know, speakers um, every week at our office to try different things, to work on different things. And kind of growing up in this, both I'd asked to to go out and try something or do something. And, you know, my mom would just look at me and she'd go, are you wearing your L90? You're wearing your L90. Okay, go out and explore. We know you're protected. We know you're harmonized. We know that emotional mental level is going to stay strong. So that, yes, I really recommend that pendant as well. If somebody wants to try something and they're sensitive to energy. Yes. Fantastic. This has been just an awesome interview. I hope my listeners are as excited as I am, you know, and I have a lot of knowledge on these things. And just talking to you guys today has brought me a lot more clarity on things that I had questions on um, that I couldn't find the answers to directly in books. And so I, 
I've done my best to to today to to make it deep enough that anybody that's sort of skeptical can can go deep enough to really say, wow, that's something to really ponder, you know, meditate on and investigate. And we've kept it simple enough that I think the lay person uh, can really, if they walk away with nothing, they can walk away with the reality that they are the environment and the environment and is in in, in a relationship with them and that we need to uh, be aware that uh, biogeometry can enhance both our external and internal environments to create harmony. And if we don't create that sort of stability, I don't think we're going to put ourselves in the place where we're capable of doing the deeper process work that we've got to do to bring the world back into harmony because you can't, you can't, uh, you know, there's an old saying, you can't create chicken salad out of chicken shit unless you're a microorganism, that is. But the point I'm making is if we're all scattered and stressed and facing this dragon of all the destruction we've created on the planet, that's not the kind of place that you are going to come up with novel, effective solutions because your body's in so much stress. You're, it's, it's going into survival mechanism. And as I tell my students, it's not a good idea to throw in a cartwheel if you're running from a lion. So when we're under a lot of stress, we just revert back to old behaviors and repeat them because we they're they're programmed into us. So there's no time lag needed. But right now, if we can work with technologies like biogeometry and create stability and a sacred space to sleep in and to uh, relate in and to make love in, I think it's going to sort of plant the seeds and create the vitality and stability as a place from which we can get into harmony with mother nature and let her guide us. And instead of having to solve the problem, she'll teach us exactly what we need to do. Um, yeah, I don't think we could agree with you more. I mean, I, my father pushed me to teach. And one of the things he told me is, is the day you know that you're teaching is when your students look at you and they don't feel like they're learning anything from you, but they feel like everything you've said they already knew within themselves and that they are remembering. Yes. I think a, a real teacher is, has, is, is more of an activator kind of like we use uh, starters for, uh, for rising bread, raising, getting bread to rise. You know, it's uh, if, if the teacher just touches the person in the right way, then the wisdom of the universe is activated in them. And I think, I think that's really uh, a true thing that your father's talking about there. Well, I, Where do people? Yeah. So, oh, go, go ahead. I just wanted to say that uh, uh, today we need to sort of bridge the gap between mainstream science and other sciences. So the new book I'm bringing out, The Physics of Quality, is actually a very precise scientific book. And, uh, but it's a science of quality. It brings the physics of quality out there for people to look at. So any mainstream scientist, when he sees that there is a physics of quality, he can go there and it's not uh, something that he can say, I believe or I don't believe anymore. You know, it's a pure physics. Right. He goes into yes. it and it is dealing with the physics of quality, the science of ancient harmonics. It goes into all details 
So it's putting there a scientific book right besides mainstream science of quantity and telling people with both aspects you have, uh, let's say, balanced your scientific world. It's like putting the right and the left brain together and then you you have a true science for the future. Yes, I'm very grateful. And where can people... Uh, email you or be notified of the release of the book so that uh, people like me, because I'm ready to come sit next to you and poke you so you finish writing it so I can read the damn thing. Um, well, if you go on our website, bygeometry.com, uh, at the yeah. well, in the footer, there's a newsletter um, section to put your email. We're, we don't do well with newsletters. We don't really send them out, but we will send a notice when the book comes out. Okay, great. And then the last thing is we haven't touched on, which I think is very important, especially with so many Czech professionals listening to this. You have training programs. Uh, there are courses that can be done on the web, uh, which I'm pretty sure I saw. Is that correct? Yes. So we just started a, um, an online training program as well. Yeah, fantastic. So is that on biogeometry.com as well? Yes, yes, that is. Yeah, I I actually uh Jason's wife Kara was interested in looking into these kinds of things. So I turned her on to you guys and and gave her your name and she's already completed one of the courses I think and she absolutely loved it. So um I'd do it myself if I had the time, but I'm just juggling too much right now. So I'm I'm going to be selfish and just keep offering podcasts to you guys so I can get all my questions answered. <laughs> I will send you the book. When it's ready, we'll send you the book. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll lovely. Well, through the the podcast, and then um, you, well, the the online training and the products and everything. We'll we'll talk about uh, you know information for if any of your listeners uh, want information on that. Um, if you have anything, I can send it. To yes, you as well. Yeah, go ahead. So right now, the best place for everybody to go to look at products, to buy products, and to look at your education is bio. G-E-O-M-E-T-R-Y dot com, biogeometry dot com, correct? Yes. Well, fantastic, you guys. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you're doing, for your commitment, your passion, your love. Um, wow. Uh, I just feel blessed to have been able to share you with everybody, and and I'm so grateful. And uh, I just want you to know that if there's anything I can do to support you, and uh, helping getting biogeometry bio out there and getting people to take your education programs, let me know. I'll do whatever I can do. Well, thank you, Paul, very much. I mean, and soon I'll, uh, I'll figure out a way to come and sit with you near that waterfall of yours. Oh, my God, I would love you. You will love our place, man. We have 14 acres on top of a mountain with forever views. We've got a beautiful big pond that you can kayak and canoe in and and beautiful meditation gardens and a beautiful swimming pool sauna uh, a gym i'm right out the door of my office is the gym and i'm looking at our main house right now and and waterfalls all over the place i worked my whole life to get here and it's just like great spirit is showing me that loves boomerang comes home but to be able to share this place with you guys would be absolutely awesome so anytime you want to come and share ideas and hang out, you're totally welcome. 
one day we'll be there. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> so my pleasure. Or maybe lots of love, you guys. Thanks for sharing. Come to Egypt sometime. Yeah, when I can get on an airplane without it feeling like such a hassle. You know, I spent 25 years moving nonstop on airplanes. By the time I was 50, I was completely and utterly exhausted. And I just had to cut back and let my body recover. And, and uh, now with all the electronic technology, I'm able to get the message out without having to ride so many airplanes. But Yeah, and now with uh, uh, coronavirus and all those things, traveling is not really a thing to do. No, it's not that easy, but you know what? We're connected at the heart. I got yeah. your signature now, baby. I'm with you. <laughs> We're with you too. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, lots of love and thanks everyone for listening. Thank if you, you love this podcast, please share it widely. Thank you to my sponsors who share all the values that have been discussed here today with Doria and Dr. Kareem for all their love and support. And anytime you buy something from our sponsors, you are supporting the podcast so I can keep accessing and sharing amazing people like Dr. Kareem and, and Doria and their beautiful biogeometry technology. So I'll see you next time with another amazing podcast. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Living 4D with Paul Check and today's guests, Dr. Ibrahim Kareem and Doria Kareem. You can find out more about biogeometry online at biogeometry.com or on Facebook at Biogeometry Energy Systems. Dr. Kareem is offering Paul's listeners $75 off the online Biogeometry Foundation training taught live with Dorea Kareem and Laya Kareem. Visit bit.ly forward slash Biogeometry course. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash bio geometry course all one word and use the code check 75 that's capital c capital h capital e capital k 75 when you register to get your special price the next course opens in november but the early bird price expires soon so don't delay don't forget to follow paul on instagram and twitter at living 4d podcast or on his youtube podcast channel youtube.com forward slash living 4d with paul check remember you can watch more on paul's blog at paulchecksblog.com and at the czech institute's new streaming media site chikiva.com bye